Alright, so we're starting. Hi guys! Welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I am your wonderful host, Monica, and I am joined by this awesome, awesome guest that we have. They are, you know, they are a wonderful part of film Twitter, as am I. And they are really awesome, very smart, have really great opinions on things. And I decided to bring them on the pod because I love their Twitter and I think the two of us are going to have a fun time. And I want to introduce you to my friend, Bean. That's me. I'll introduce myself. I'm a writer for Discussing Film, which is a kind of prevalent, more of a social media page than anything else. But they do do articles, of which some of them I write. Um, Yeah, under the pen name, Beatrin Shazad. If you want to check me out there. And then my Twitter at's like be a bean. So that's that. Be a bean. He yeah. loves to see it. Uh be a bean, yeah. It, it, it's like it's spelled B E Y A bean, but pronounced be a. <laughs> I I know. I, I named it like a Farsi. Like Bia means like come, come here. Mm-hmm. But then I spelled it like Bea, so everyone calls me Bea Bean. It's, that's and p- some people call me Bea. They think it's my name, but it's not. You know what Anyways. But- <laughs> we are glad to have you on. Thank you're you. so happy you're here. I'm, of course. I'm glad I'm here. Yay! Alright, today guys, we're going to be talking about Mrs. Marvel, the newest show to come out on Disney+, Plus about Kamala Khan, amazing superhero. But before we get into Mrs. Marvel, we're going to start with our beginning segment, Can't Wait to Watch, which is where we talk about new TV shows and movies that are coming out soon that we cannot wait to see. And one show that I apparently have to watch is Hacks, because it got 17 Emmy nominations. So I guess I have to start watching the show now. Yeah, I remember last year I was like doing one of those like Emmy guest things, like mm-hmm. guess which ones are going to win. I just remember in the comedy department, Hacks got a bunch of awards, and I just was not expecting it. I ne- like never heard of the show. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. I'm, She's that girl, apparently. I mean, apparently, because... She got 17 nominations, you know? It's Hacks and Secession, you know? So, I mean, I already watched yeah. Secession, and I love Secession, so I guess I need a new, like, TV show to watch. Secession? I have convinced so many people to watch Succession. I think at least seven. Um, I got to interview the director once, mm-hmm. like, the one who does, like, the season premieres and the season finales. Cool. He was very nice. And I told him, I was like, I tell everyone to watch the show, everyone I tell loves it. Succession, very nice show. I highly recommend. Two shows that I push to everybody, Succession and Only Murders in the Building. That is my agenda that uh, I push to everyone. So you should watch Succession. I didn't, like, I haven't seen Only Murders in the Building, but that's only because I kind of don't like Selena Gomez, and I don't know why. It's just something about her was always like, hmm, I don't know if I like her. And I feel like, I feel like one of those fans that are like, girl, you need a reason. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I know she's a nice person. Like, I know she's fairly yeah. unproblematic and everything like that, but like, I don't... Sometimes it's just the vibes. But I will say, uh, her, uh, presence in Only Murders in the Building works well for the show. It's a very, like, tempered, like, dry presence. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she's very outlandish or anything. Not like her Disney Channel snarkiness, but it's kind of like, it's more tempered than that. Um, but I'm a really big fan of Steve Martin. Um, I don't want to say unfortunately, because I like everything he does, but that, that show is just so funny to me. Um, yeah, yeah, I definitely think, I may have to try and like, give it a go, see what, it, see what it's about, because 
a lot of people love that show and you know it has two seasons on Hulu now so I have plenty of content yes. to watch it got greenlit for a third season too Gre- coming back which means more content more content more content more content thank you awesome um oh also the boys uh the boys Ugh. is out on amazon prime i don't know if the finale happened yet i think it did but it did, okay sure. i definitely have to finish the boys i love it too much i'm not a big fan of the boys <laughs> i feel no I go feel ahead go ahead it like because listen i have this friend i mean if you're watching this hey shadow what's up um and we were both fans of supernatural right Mm -hmm. supernatural was run by the same guy who does the boys eric kripke Mm -hmm. and every single after every episode drops we just slander the boys for like an hour straight it's 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 a big season three thing Mm -hmm. because i feel like season three kind of just like lost itself a little bit season three of the boys yeah okay i thought about the one Mm -hmm. i think yeah the way that the season has gone from what i've watched i've only watched up to till episode three i think so I do agree with you on that, that it does feel like kind of, where are we going with this? What's the purpose? Where is it leading to? Because season one was like so interesting. And I like I like TV shows that have superheroes, but does not adhere to the superhero genre of like loving them, admiring them, admonishing them as like invincible gods that walk among humans. Like I like TV shows that take the superhero drama and subvert it and be like, this is what superheroes would really be like if they walked among us and if they were treated like celebrities, if we knew who they were and they were like around us. And I feel like, yeah, that's realistic, like invincible. Like I really like both those shows and I totally get what you mean with season three because like sometimes shows get a little too big for their britches and they're like okay we have the fans we have the money we have the press so let's just do whatever we want and see if people like it yeah it's getting a little repetitive i feel like some of the character arcs one step forward two steps back um one thing that bothers me about the boys that just became so obvious this season is that everyone likes to say it's a they like to call it realistic because it's not like you said the traditional hero worship thing Mm -hmm. but it's still existing within its own like fantasy and that's like kind of like this violent fantasy and you can tell like the creators are like oh what messed up thing are we going to do now which is not realistic by any means i mean like sure it would happen if superheroes were real but what they choose to show is still like a very specific lens it's not like the lens of realism it's like a very specific view that they want to portray of this world so i don't know it, it, it it's always weird to me when people like say that this is like a realistic take on superheroes because i'm like no it's still like framed in a very specific way you know what i'm trying to say yeah you are right because you're right because like the boys really do push the boundaries because it's like an amazon prime show that's what i think about the boys of how anti-capitalist it is but it's on amazon prime and like this show so funny. yeah it's a nice little you know in joke that people get when you watch the show and like one thing about it is how like sometimes like i get that you could do whatever you want on the show but there has to be limits there's got to be boundaries there's got to be a place where we draw the line because why like the breast milk thing was weird but certain things y'all are doing you're just doing it because you can do it and i don't need to see any more exploding heads like we can slow it down just like a little bit you know what i mean you don't even know what's like if you're on episode three you don't even know what's coming oh my god 
I, because, listen, the seventh episode, that's the Herogasm episode, and Eric Kripke, Jensen Ackles, everyone was talking this episode up. They were like, oh my god, it's like the closest you could get to porn without really being porn. It's so, like, violent and whatever. And I watched it, and I was like, this is a lot of nudity, but I don't think it's a lot of, like, weird, weird stuff. But they're kind of, like, relying on that shock factor. Like, they want you to watch for that. And they want to be the purveyor of that. I just think that's whatever. I just want to say, if I don't see any swigging cowbells, then I'm not interested. I've watched Game of Thrones. I've seen Orange is the New Black. Titties does not impress me anymore. I want to see something else. All right. Are there titties? Are there? Are you asking me if there, are there titties? Do in the you know? Episode? Are there? Of the boys? Yeah. Of course. Like I'm just, <sighs> it's like a full on. Queen Maeve has been through I, enough. Queen Maeve has I, been through I, enough. I've been through enough. Trust me. Like <laughs> you'll you'll see for yourself. I'm so tired of that show. <laughs> just, I feel like after I watch. Eric Kripke needs to understand the fact that he made Justin Ackles have to, like, settle for the ending of Supernatural, and now he's doing this stuff. Like, Eric Kripke is literally just being like, you can't let me do this on the CW, so now I'm doing it here. And I want to know, why is it that all the Supernatural alums are working on this show? Why can I not escape? Why is Bobby Singer on the show running for president? Hello? I hate it here. I hate it here. Y'all can't let nothing go. Nothing can die. The one good I thing just, I have is that Jared Jared Padalecki is not going to be on this show. Yeah. I mean, he's busy. With now what? Uh-huh. He's, on, he's on Texas Ranger Walker, whatever is, it's called. That's still going? I don't know. I thought it would be canceled. Me too. Mm. I think it's still around. I, I feel know. like I would have heard about it, just at least to clown on it if it got canceled. Maybe it is. I don't know. I remember he got upset that he wasn't involved in the Supernatural prequel because Jensen Ackles is producing, but he's not. And he, like, publicly said something about it. He's like, why didn't you tell me? What are we? <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. If you've been friends with someone for that many years, this is not the first time Jared has had a public outburst over something so dumb that he could have handled on private and not on Twitter. If you know someone reacts that way to certain things, you have to have a certain plan in place to let them know like i know like he probably was like i don't need to work with this guy anymore i'm friends with misha and this dude like i only like da 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 whatever like i'm sure i don't really care about their breakup i don't but like as someone who's worked with people before where you had to be friends but secretly you're like i would rather not be around this person you have to have something in place where you know you're gonna do something that might upset them and you don't want to like you know risk something that is important to you you know like if i knew that i had to work with somebody who was a bit of a drama and a diva queen and i was going to create like a play and it was going to take away from a character that they played for a long time i would need to sit them down and be like hey look this is nothing against you this is just the vision i have so when it's announced when you see the deadlight article i don't want to see any tweets i don't want to see a post i don't want to see a story i don't want to see nothing all right i don't have to add order i don't have to get a gag order on you do i no okay great good i could cut you in on a producing credit you can get you know a nice little seventy-five thousand check every so often for the renewal you know what i mean like you gotta do something to secure your own butt yeah i don't know that's just too funny to me anytime supernatural comes back up i'm just like let it die i mean i don't listen it's it's i just it, i have trauma now funny <laughs> kind you know it's like, yes, I get flashbacks vividly. Yes, I can tell you everything that happened in the show. 
But now that I understand the memes and all the drama on a deeper level, I think I'm a happier person. Anyways, mm. this had nothing to do with the boys. I'm sorry. Eric Kripke, I'm not sorry about you. Did you know, apparently, in all his projects, he killed someone named Jessica because, like, he, a Jessica dumped him when he was in college or something? Men will do everything but go to therapy. <laughs> I know. Literally do everything but go to there with the money you have, sir. Move on. I know. Anyways, stuff I want to watch. <laughs> I am so sorry for what's about to come out of my mouth. Okay, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I'm a fan of the Disney Channel original movies. All of them. I've watched pretty much all of them. Almost all of them. And there's a new one that's coming out on Friday. That is the third one in a series. And it is the dumbest show. And not the show. It's not a show. It's a movie. And it's called Zombies. Well, this one's Zombies 3. And it's, it's like a musical. It's like, imagine like the successor to Descendants. So if Descendants was the successor to High School Musical. This is the successor to Descendants. And technically it's about race relations. Except there's zombies and they're humans. And it's about school integration. And you're like, wow. I don't think Disney will handle that that well. They don't. Hmm. But it's fun to watch. That's what I'll, that's all I'm gonna say. I mean, at least it's fun to watch. Yeah. Actually, the second movie, I think, I think like genuinely, the writing about like just being an outsider and being an oppressed person in the second one was a lot more interesting than the first one. So I have hope for the third one that they're gonna if they outdo the second one, it's gonna be perfect. The first one was just zombies and humans, right? The second one was zombies, humans, and then werewolves showed up. Interesting. Yeah. And they were, like, the werewolves were supposed to be, I guess, like, more, like, Native Americans because, or represent, like, how Native American people were oppressed because it's, like, the settlers came and they took their fancy rock and they were like, no, that's rightfully ours. All the history books are written to make us seem like the bad guys, but you're the ones who came and took this from us. And it was a whole thing. And the third one, there's aliens now. Aliens? I know. So it's going to be a campy, goofy, good time. And we're going to look at oppression through the lens of zombies, aliens, werewolves. Yes, because the only way we can understand oppression is through fantastical creatures that do not exist. Yep. Uh-huh. This was the same network that gave us The Color of Friendship. The Color now, of Friendship was so long ago, but yet so, so beautiful and so, like, so well done. And it has never been done again in that way ever again by Disney Channel. I know. Like, I'm trying to think. Like, there's a couple. Like, it's weird because since I watched all the Disney Channel original movies, or almost all of them, I don't want to say I watched all of them, but there's some of them that, like, genuinely touch on race. Mm -hmm. Like, there was one called, like, Buffalo Dreams, and it was about, he, like, he, like, it was this white boy who, like, lived on this reservation, but he saw how, like, other white people were, like, like, really racist to them, or, like, even Brink, which was the roller skating one, like, they had the bad guy, like, be racist, like, by name to the characters, and it recognized racism as something to be, like, ashamed of, but, like, now it's, like, they don't even bring it up. Like, they can't bring it up anymore. And I, I, I don't know. Or they can't bear to bring it up. Yeah. It's just, like, like, you have to take a stand against these things if they're still happening, you know? I don't know. That's my opinion. Also, gonna see the gray man. Ryan Gosling coming back for the first time in four years. The fact that I... Ryan Go There was a picture of Ryan Gosling and Guillermo del Toro that showed up in my timeline of them going to Disneyland and skipping the Oscars. Yes. Because here's here's the tea with that. Okay, if it, I'm a very big Ryan Gosling fan. Okay, I know all the Ryan Gosling lore. He's my favorite actor. I'm crazy about Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling 
loves Disneyland. And more specifically, his favorite ride at Disneyland is the Haunted Mansion. I, I'm assuming you're familiar with the Haunted Mansion ride. Yes. At Disneyland. Yeah. Yes. So him and Guillermo, Guillermo de Toro, like, talked about it, and they wanted to write, do a Haunted Mansion movie together. Mm. And that's that's part of the reason they skipped the Oscars to go to Disneyland together is because they were going to do this movie and it actually got like put in development or like or he started writing the first draft of the script or and he got like the second draft done but then Disney I think last year greenlit a different haunted mansion project so I think it's dead it's gone but that's why they were together they were going to make a haunted mansion movie together and it was probably going to be one of the best movies of all time <laughs> I mean Ryan Gosling as a writer Definitely seems like something he would try and foray into. Yeah. Ryan Gosling, he's a creepy little dude. He has his own, like, weird mm-hmm. interests, and it makes sense why he would want to do a Haunted Mansion. But, yeah. Um, I've missed him so much, and I remember the day it was announced that he was going to be in a Russo Brothers spy drama. I fell to my knees, but in the negative way. <laughs> Ryan. Listen, the Russo Brothers, there is something to be said about how all the Russo Brothers movies outside of Marvel, have been poorly rated. And that's how we can critically look at these Marvel movies. Because, baby, the Rotten Tomato score for Endgame versus Infinity War is something we need to talk about. Like, the way that y'all uphold Winter Soldier, like, it is S-tier. Like, I I don't know. Like, is Winter Soldier better than Agents of Alt- Age of Ultron, in my opinion? Yes. Because I'm still upset over the Natasha scene where she can't have children, so that's the worst thing that's ever happened to her, even though, like, she's been through worse things than not being enough babies, but whatever. Like, yeah. there's a lot to be said about, you know, Marvel. But Cherry, 21 Bridges, and now the Gray Man. Yeah. I have hope for the Gray Man on, like, my one string of hope. I don't like how Chris Evans is in it. and all the trailers, he looks awful. Not <laughs> physically awful, it's just his line delivery is bad. So uh-huh. I'm all like, okay, not great. Ryan Gosling, his line delivery, he looks like he's having a good time, okay? Hmm. But my one hope is that I am I am one of those people who have the Winter Soldier in S-tier movie. I really do enjoy that movie. Um, and that is basically a spy thriller that feels very grounded. And the Russo brothers said the Gray Man is going to be a spy thriller that feels very grounded. They filmed on site. They have all these cool people in the supporting cast. Enid Armas, uh, what's his name, Renee, John Page. I think that's it. Oh, yes, I love him. Yes, he's in it. Um, Jessica Henwick is going to be in it. Um, Yeah, so, like, a bunch of... There's, like, a bunch of cool people in the supporting cast. It's going to be a grounded spy thriller, which we know the Russos can do. They've done it for Marvel. Now they just need to do it outside of Marvel. And, you know what? I'm just here to have a good time. I don't like how it's probably going to become a franchise. And I don't like how Netflix spends $200 million shooting on-site in Europe, doing all these expensive action sequences, and they're not going to release it in theaters. That's weird to me. But other than that, I'm hopeful. I think that Chris Evans and Anna Armas, Anna de Armas, they're also going to be on a... They're going to be in a Apple TV show? Movie? I, I think I heard something about that, but yeah. Yeah, it's she's called... She's kind of an... She's a little bit of an it girl right now. She is. Know. Her and um, Anya Taylor-Joy. Yes, they're both kind of girls. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here for Dude, it. Dude, I'm, like, I'll save it to the end when we talk about what we don't want to see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's just move into, the last thing I want to talk about is Bear, the Bear. It's a new show oh. on FX. It stars our homeboy from Shameless, and 
I'm not gonna lie, seeing, like, the aggressive white guy who's a line cook have his own TV show is something that I've been waiting for for a long time, and I'm very glad it's happening. I feel like for, like, me, Two Broke Girls is a perfect show for, like, anxious girls who just need something to watch on the weekends, and The Bear is something for, like, dudes that have dead-end jobs and don't actually watch TV, but will actually find something they like to watch. Like, The Bear and Atlanta are the thing for that. Yeah. I've seen a lot of positive stuff about The Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I will press play on it soon. I just don't know when. There's just, like, a lot right now. Like, with Emmys, like, chemi- like all the Emmy nominations, I'm like, oh, God, now I have to watch Hacks, I have to watch Severance, I have to watch White Lotus. It's like... Oh, yeah, White Lotus. Yeah. I'll get, I'll get to you, The Bear. I will not forget about you. I just cannot promise it will be within a calendar year. The thing is, is that FX has a lot of good shows, like The Bear, and then there's Dave, which is a show written and produced and starring Lil Dicky, who's a rapper, who, I'm gonna be honest, I didn't take seriously, and I don't think a lot of people did, but the show is actually really good, and it's very interesting that, like, it's really interesting to see people who are famous for stupid things, and then they come out with something that's smart and interesting and, like, actually, like, worth my time, and it's like, oh, Okay, you proved me wrong. All right, like I shouldn't. Like, like Ted Lasso. I'm not. I, that... I wouldn't say Jay says was stupid, but he was like known as like I don't know. Jason Sudeikis was known as like that comedy actor, the same way that uh, Paul Rudd was. What did Paul Rudd come out with that was like serious though? Ant Man. Ant Man wasn't serious. Ant-Man but was it was funny. a Marvel movie. Whenever someone's what? in a Marvel movie, it's like, oh, you're like an actor. And it's a comedic movie. It's like yeah, but it's I like know, it's like, a big budget movie from a big studio. You know. I get okay. I I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see that angle to it. Um. Yeah. Quantum Mania is gonna be a serve. I. Oh my gosh. Our boy what? Jonathan Majors. I can't wait to see him. I hope that he um, has an a variant, and I hope his variant is like Aisha Taylor. Aisha Tyler, or like. Um, Asia Naomi King or or Gugu Mbath Ra, I think that's her name. Like yeah. any of those she three. Was women. In Loki. Oh, she was in Loki. She mm-hmm. was in Loki. She okay, was? that's fine. That's okay. Someone else can be Ooh, or like Susan Wokama from Chewing Gum. Just... Yes. I don't know if we're gonna get variants in this movie. I would like but... to see him have a variant. Maybe maybe in season two of Loki we'll see King variant. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Who else is an actress that I would like to... Kirby! Kirby Howell! Kirby Baptiste Howell. I want her to be a Kang variant. I think she would... A Kang variant? I think she would play very well with that. You just want all these beautiful women in Yes! Women. Yes, I do! Yes, I do! Marvel, hear me! <laughs> I'm sure you want to see the same. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of things that they can be in. Like, uh, um, uh, uh, gosh. Well, how did I forget Oh, Riri Williams, you know, she's going to be in Black Panther 2, and she's going to get her show soon, and there's also The Armor Wars, which is going to feature War Machine, aka Don Cheadle, trying to keep Tony Stark's tech out of the government's hands, so they'll, they'll possibly be in that show as well, and then, you know, there's Secret Invasion, there's a lot of other things coming out. Yeah. Um, you get too far out from the MCU, and I, my mind just starts, like, glazing over. Like, <laughs> Armor Wars and Secret Invasion, I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. 
Like, we need to get, like, three more movies into it before it starts making sense. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Also, Echo. I completely... Oh, yeah. Echo's coming out soon, though. I... Like, soonish. When my... When people were talking about Echo, I was like, what's that? It's like, oh, it's from Hawkeye. I was like, oh, I didn't watch that. But, okay. No, but she's cooler than Hawkeye is, so... The thing is, is that... The thing about the Hawkeye show is that they really were like, okay, we know you guys don't like Hawkeye, but... Florence Pugh was in it. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Haley Seinfeld is in it. Okay, wait, wait, wait. The Kingpin? Daredevil? Yeah, come on. It's like, they brought out all the good things. It's like, Jeremy Renner's in there too, but he's not in there that much. So, you know, you'll still want to watch it, right? The gag was, I watched the first couple episodes and was like, yeah, no. <laughs> I kind of want to... I can't do it. I still kind of want to give it a chance. Because when it, around the time it came out, I was like, I'm not interested, but I'm also have other things to watch, so I don't have to watch this. And also, none of people were talking about it to the fact that I felt like I needed to watch it. But I, I'm a little scared because I want to see Echo because I have no idea what the show's about. And I feel like, well, if it's in Hawkeye, I might as well watch Hawkeye. And if Kingpin's going to be in Echo, I might as well watch Hawkeye so I can understand what's going on with Kingpin. And they changed the art for Jessica Jones and Daredevil, which means they're doing something or they're just trying to bait me. But See, it worked. Is, listen, listen. This is how they get you. Yes. You have to be stronger than that. <laughs> like, literally, like, look up an Echo scene pack or something. Bro. And just watch her scenes. Or, like, read, like, summaries or something. Because you do not have to put yourself through all of that time. But here's the thing. I need to know it all. I need to no, know it all. Don't. I have to that's see the vision. They have, that's how they get you. You have to stay strong. I didn't like the Falcon the Winter Soldier. Do you know what I did? I stopped watching. I love that show. And I that still don't show. know what really happened. Wait, why does no one like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? What's going on? I'm going to rewatch the show, apparently. You're the third guest I've had on that said that they didn't like that show. Well, I know what it was for me. Okay. That immediately set me off. Immediately. I, because I'm Middle Eastern. Okay? Yeah. And they start off, like, in the foreign country doing, you know, whatever they're doing. In some Arab country. Mm-hmm. And then they show that as, like, a good thing. Like, it's, like, a very Orientalist view. It's, like, no, the people here aren't bad. They just need our help, which is, like, a form of Orientalism. It's a it's a way to, like, back up, like, American, um, American like, interventionalism and, like, justify that. Mm-hmm. And then later, a couple episodes later, they show, try to show, like, they try to have, like, an ACAB moment with Sam and the police. And I was, like... These pol- like the politics here aren't consistent. Like they're not actually engaging with the politics in a way that shows that they actually understand what they're saying. Because if you're anti-police or you understand racism in police, you have to also understand racism in the military and racism as it pertains to like American powers overbroad. And from what I understand, um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier like continue to have these wishy-washy politics. Like I I heard that they like tried to redeem evil Captain America or like morally gray Captain America. So I was like, I, I don't care to see that. I just don't. Yeah. Sorry, that was a really political answer. But no, that's fine, because the show was, in a way, like, trying to be that. And I feel like there were things about the show that I liked, but they didn't, like, really focus on. And I feel like there are aspects of the show that I would like to see in other Marvel properties, like Elijah. I believe that's the same. The first, the real yeah. first Winter Soldier. Like, I think it would be interesting to see him maybe team up, not team up, but, like, hang out with Riri, and she could help him identify his powers and, like, learn how to control them and, like, learn how to really... Or he could, like, team up with, like, War Machine, and, like, War Machine could talk to him about, like... And I understand what you mean. Marvel has this problem that a lot of, like, you know, 
big company trying to be like liberal messaging where it's like oh, oh we were here the boys did that too oh. don't forget the super terrorists oh my god don't forget the only arab actress in that show the victoria newman the senator yeah. was revealed to have the power to blow up people's heads yeah. and be a secret like Ameri- like american traitor like that's all in te- like that's intentional like that's very racist i don't know it's like you could be the wokest company alive, but you're still gonna fall into like all these tropes because you're. Just, it's so normalized in the superhero genre. I don't know. Sorry, that makes me so angry. I'm sorry. The thing is that like, oh gosh, it doesn't help that like she's supposed to be the AOC counterpart. That's even worse. It's a hundred percent worse, especially with those Homelander fans that the boys creators denounce all the time, but yet you're feeding into a little part of what they believe. You know. Yeah. But. You know, these big companies, especially Disney in particular, and with, like, the Marvel movies, they will try to take uh, conversations that people are having in regards to, like, social change or social justice, and they will go with the 101 version that is, like, here's a five-minute video of what racism is, and explain to you that even though there are people who are racist, we still all love each other and we all still come together as one because we are one race the human race it's very much that kind of feel to it and they do that do that in a in a sense with you know miss marvel which we will talk about but like obviously in the finale i don't mean to be jumping ahead but like when they have the scene where there's damage control agents and the damage control agents are going after like kamala and kamran and then the community stands together with them and even local law enforcement stands together with them that is in direct contrast with how you know federal agencies work in tandem with local law enforcement to discriminate against marginalized communities i.e ice like deporting people and using local law enforcement to pull people out of their homes and out of their jobs and send them back to countries that they probably do not know or just hold them in detention centers like it's you know, you're trying yeah, to, like... I didn't even notice local law enforcement was in that scene. I thought it was just the community. But, you're like, you're right. Like, mm-hmm. you're a thousand percent right. Yeah. That pisses me off. Yeah, it's the very, like... There are a few bad apples. You know, there are good cops. But people don't understand that, like... The full quote is that a few bad apples ruins the whole bunch. Yeah. Wait, I remember reading... This goes back to The Winter Soldier. So, like, mm-hmm. the entire crux of that movie is that, like, you know... Shield's been info. Shield's been infiltrated. They're actually Hydra. We have to get rid of the entire thing, which, like, on paper, makes perfect sense. Like, this makes perfect political sense. But they needed the Department of Justice's, like, or the Department of Defense, not Department of Justice. Those are courts. The Department of Defense to like sign off in the movie because anytime you use Department of Defense like materials in a movie, you need them to like approve how they're mm-hmm. going to be used. So the military has to approve every single Marvel movie or every single like blockbuster that uses these things. And I think that their justification that they let this movie be made, even though it paints, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. and the government in, like, a terrible light, was, like, they said, basically, it just shows that, like, the people who were responsible for this were just a couple of bad people. And that's why we did it. But that just frustrates me so much. Because in that movie, the solution to just having a couple of bad people high up in the, like, government was to just scrap the entire thing and start over. And start with, like, a new structure. So this kind of, like... So this could not happen again but that's just not how we do it in real life yeah i don't know yeah that's not at all how we do it in real life all right 
Well, we've gotten into it, so let's just start talking about Miss Marvel. Let's well, talk about from the beginning. <laughs> let's start about Cam- Kamala Khan. Uh, Kamala Khan is a superhero who appeared in the Marvel comics. She was created by Sana Amanat and Stephen Wacker and writer G. Willow Wilson. And for those who do not know, the guidance counselor in the show, Gabe Wilson, is a nod to the writer G. Willow Wilson. And Khan is Marvel's first Muslim character to headline her own comic. Uh, she made her first appearance in the comics in Captain Marvel number 14 in August 2013. And now she has her own solo series on Disney Plus titled Miss Marvel. Within the Marvel Universe, she is a teenage Pakistani American from Jersey City, New Jersey, with body morphing abilities. And in the comics, she has inhuman genes. In the show, she is a mutant. We could talk about that a little later, but you know, she comes to us in the form of a 16 year old who is nerdy, dorky. She's played by Iman Balani, who is a Canadian actress of Pakistani origin. And she will also be reprising her role as Kamala Khan in the sequel to Captain Marvel, The Marvels, which will be coming out in 2023, I think. And I. I believe it's directed by Nia DaCosta. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay, because when they announced it, it was called Captain Marvel 2. So I was like, the Marvels, that's not different, it's the same. It's, yeah, it's the same thing. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Awesome. So, the show premiered June 8th. The, pr- the finale premiered on July 13th, which is the day we're recording this. But the day this is going to come out, it's not going to be the 13th. But, you know, we're going to sit here and talk about, you know... Kamala Khan, the show, what we love, what we didn't like, and all that stuff. So let's start with episode one. We begin episode one reminding everybody that in the Marvel Universe, uh, the superheroes are seen as celebrities. You know, there are some superheroes that have secret identities, there are some that do not, and certain heroes like uh, Captain America, Tony Stark, you know, Black Widow are known in the public. And it's really cool to see like a Marvel fan on screen in a Marvel property easy. the interesting thing is that like in one of the episodes I think that there is like literally an actor whose family has a reaction channel I think it's like in the second episode or something but I thought that was like really cool because I saw that in a video and I was like oh that's really neat that like Marvel you know kind of did that and we see you know Kamala has her own YouTube channel it is called Sloth Baby Productions she's making a stop motion video about the fight in Endgame and it has some interesting hints in there and it also you know stars heavily Carol Danvers who is someone that she looks up to very much in the show and the one little thing that I think the one thing that I saw was that well some I didn't see someone picked up on this on Twitter was that Hawkeye's costume is similar to the one that he wore in the fight at 30 Rock in his show Hawkeye. So people believe that this show, uh, Miss Marvel, po- possibly takes place after the events of Hawkeye, which would make sense. And we see that Scott Lang has a podcast on <laughs> This Powered Life, which is like obviously a spinoff of This American Life. And he interviews uh, superheroes and super enhanced individuals on his podcast, which I love. So we go into the show. Uh, we have uh, Kamala's brother saying his dua before meals. We have Kamala's mother 
and we have her father you know Kamala is a young second generation born uh, immigrant child you know she has the whole ordeal of feeling like you need to be connected to your culture but you also need to be connected to the culture that you live in and the one that you're born into it's reflective of the song blinding lights which plays at the beginning of the episode which is a song the weekend wrote uh where the main theme is how you are surrounded by people you're surrounded by these lights and yet you still feel lonely which is how kamala feels in the first episode where she's surrounded by her classmates her teacher who mispronounces her name she can't even get to her locker and she feels alone in the world and she feels like she's just trying to find her place in the world and kamala's friend bruno tells her that she should ask her mom to go to adventure con bean why is bruno wrong for this if you have ethnic parents <laughs> and just ask them things <laughs> the way bruno's like just ask your mom she's not darth vader it's like sir you don't get it <laughs> they have all these preconceived notions mm-hmm about what the world is mm-hmm. and how you, what's going on and they constantly think that you're trying to blindside them it's... you don't like and even if you do ask you have to work up to it yep. you have to like you have to like do all your chores mm-hmm. you have to be extra nice mm-hmm. you have to like and then finally be like oh since i've been such a good girl can i go to this thing and then even then it's not given the thing is, like, I would, my, me and my siblings would prep, like, a week in advance if we wanted to do something. We'd be like, okay, we gotta stay on our chores, stay on our tasks, and the day before, we would, like, all come together as a family and have, like, a little, like, meeting and ask our parents, and then that would turn into a whole ordeal, and they would probably say no, so it was just like, mm, well. No, I just gave up. <laughs> After my, like, freshman year of high school, I just stopped going places. Oh, me too. Me too. I also didn't have a phone until I was at college, so... I, I, there was a similar thing with me, like, I, I had a phone, lost a phone, had to use a flip phone, then got a phone, then had to use a flip phone, it was a whole thing. Oh my gosh. I know. We were really struggling out here. Yes. <laughs> we understand, we understand, that was the thing, when I was watching the first, like, two episodes of Miss Marvel, mm-hmm. oh my god, it hit so hard. I yeah. was like, girl, girl, I've been there. <laughs> It's like, oh, man. Especially, like, the stuff in, like, the changing room or, like, noticing how other girls dress Mm -hmm. and being very conscious of, like, oh, this is, like, not me. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal to sit through. The the way her mom would talk to her. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Why are moms like that? I mean, the thing is, it it was very clear that her mom wasn't a bad person. Yeah. And I'm very grateful that they didn't try to, like, demonize her culture or anything. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's just so many expectations that they place on you. Yeah. There's just so much The thing they, I, that they want from you. Yes. The thing I related to most was when she was changing with her mom. And then the auntie came up. And they started talking about the, the random girl. And it's always that moment where, like, the two adults are talking about some but something that someone else is doing. And subconsciously, you're like, oh... I would love to do that one day but then you hear how they're talking about it and that's something that like holds you back in life you know thinking about what other people will say or how people will feel or like people will question how how could your parents raise you this way you know it's it's a lot yeah like i'm not gonna lie i'm i'm a bit of a gossip i i gossip that's who i am but i i try not to be too mean unless someone's done something wrong Mm-hmm. But, like, in the show, when people gossip, people got, like, aunties, 
quote, auntie's gossip to judge others, to look down on others yeah. for seemingly innocuous things, for just not fitting in. Mm-hmm. Which, in that way, they are not, it's very similar to, like, I don't know, how white culture works. And white culture will, like, subconsciously look down on, like, people of color or other people who don't conform. It's the same thing, just different shapes. And then she's in the middle of it. She's in the middle of both. Sucks for Kamala. <laughs> yeah, it's, honestly, there's so much that I love about this show, like, the little things that you see and the things I've learned about like Desi culture that like I kind of knew but didn't really know like I knew that Eid Mubarak oh I'm mispronouncing this um I know that Eid was basically like a celebration at the end of Ramadan and um also going into prayer in the mosque how you have to like do wadu and like cleanse yourself before you go in to pray and I love the scene where she's like trying out her outfit and her costume and how like to me it seems fine because she's perfectly covered everything looks normal but in Desi culture you are supposed to have like a shirt that kind of like covers your pelvic region and how her costume is modeled off the salwar kameez because that's kind of like the traditional way that they wear the clothes and i saw like the scarf that she put on which is kind of like also a nod to um kamala's uh costume in the comics and how in the comics kamala oftentimes would like shapeshift and morph morph around because she can't do that those are her powers she would shapeshift kind of to look more like carol danvers but as you go through the show and as you're watching, as you're reading the comics, she kind of embraces parts of herself in her comics, which is also what the cosplay competition was trying to do. Like, you can come cosplay as these superheroes, but you need to bring a part of yourself, which is where the bangle comes in. And the bangle was a gift from her grandmother, and her mom saw the bangle, and her mom was, like, repulsed by it a little bit. And, like, I I don't know why the mom was like so I don't know why she reacted that way to the bangle looking back at it now because like I was looking thinking like does the mom have powers but I was like no maybe I think she was just resentful of anything that like captured her mom's attention oh yeah so she saw that was like her mother's mother's bangle and that and now she sent it to Kamala and now Kamala is just gonna be all obsessed about the bangle so she has to get it out of the way so she won't be like I don't know it's it was probably because of that there's also like sorry yeah because i was just saying because kamala also has her problem with her family history just Mm -hmm. like as not not, i don't want to say problem but she has um she feels a disconnect with her family because of being raised as a second generation uh, pakistani american but also her mother had a problem connecting with her family because of the way that um her mother like was not the same after partition and was like obsessed with daydreaming after partition so it was like two generations had to heal yeah that's the thing that happens oftentimes with like migration and like leaving the community you come from there is always this kind of disconnect from the culture and there's always this kind of feeling of misplacement in this new place that you're in and that happens oftentimes where like people are refugees you know like if your parents leave the country they've known for so long and they come to like America or like Canada or like any other colonizing country that has a better economy than yours because you know the colonizing country displaced and destroyed the economy of your country or whatever they come to this country to try and build a better life for you and the parents feel like they have to do like learn the language learn the culture learn traditions learn certain things that they can fit in and feel like 
this is their new home. And the way they really feel like it's their home by finding community and, you know, having kids, building a family, essentially. And then the kids have to kind of be like the bridge for their parents and this place that they've lived in, but is still somewhat foreign to them. And the kids have to learn, like, how do I fit into this country that I live in that I see as my home, but also the culture and where I'm from and my past and my roots are that defines my heritage and my ancestors. And I think that the show does a good job of doing that through the culture, through her her story as a hero, her journey as being a hero, and also through demystifying Islam and like showing us all the beauties of the religion and how it's not only something that people believe in practice but it's just a way of people's life and how it kind of like all fits together yes all right you said a- <laughs> thanks um uh we can- I, don't know. <laughs> I mean that was a lot yeah you're right like everything about it was right um i i'm a second generation immigrant my mom is an immigrant um from Iran, mm-hmm. so I'm Muslim. I'm not. I'm not really a practicing Muslim, but I do know like the, some of the traditions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we've never celebrated like Eid. I think in Arabic it's pronounced Eid, but we say Eid. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So I don't know. I have been a mosque though, and I was like, yeah. Like people would ask me, I was like, like the Miss Marvel, like the mosque stuff. Is that like how it is? And I was like, well, I didn't go to a fancy mosque. I went to a converted office building in uh, an oh. office park. Um, so, but yeah, that's that. that's <laughs> there. It's like, okay. There's a girl side, there's a boy side, like, and I did, what I really appreciate about Miss Marvel is that you could tell that the creatives behind the scenes were of that descent. Like, there were mm-hmm. Muslim people behind the scenes, you could tell that there were South Asian people behind the scenes, and you can tell that they were very careful depicting their culture, because it's very easy with a movie or a show um, where you have a coming of age things for people to rebel against what they feel is oppressing them or what they feel is pressing down upon them. Mm-hmm. And often parts, if that's your parents, you're also going to lump in their culture with how you're being like treated, mm-hmm. which sometimes is the case. Sometimes they use culture as an excuse to treat you that way. Yeah. Um, but it's not inherent. Like not all Desi parents will treat their children like that. Um, some. Desi parents think it's their job, for sure, Mm -hmm. um, but many do not. Um, But I liked how careful the show was with that. Um, Yeah. Um, Of course, if you did have a bad, if you did have a bad experience with like Islam or your religion or um, the culture, you have a right to like put that in your art. But I feel like that's just the overwhelming viewpoint that we see, especially from like since a lot of these stories are not controlled by. in books, it's called own voices. That like you're writing from the experience that you, you're writing the experience that you embody. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So many times, those are not the people controlling these stories, oppress oppressive stories where like the culture is oppressing you. But um, I don't know. I I enjoyed that. Um, there was a <laughs> there was a Disney Channel original movie. I'm sorry. There was a Disney Channel original movie that came out recently. It also started Desi Girl. It was called Spin. It did very poorly because Disney did not market it, but it was very similar in the same way where she it's a coming of age story and she has like a difficult relationship with the expectations that her family's putting on her. But it never puts her culture in a bad light. Ever. It, and it shows that they're like loving parents. And this really reminded me of that and I'm like appreciating that like we're seeing more mainstream stories that like take this approach, that know how to like find that balance. I like that. 
I'm definitely going to go watch this movie you talked about, Spin. The I just Channel original yeah, movie. Yeah, so I'm going to go. I've bookmarked it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to have my family watch it. You know. Oh wait, girl, I there's like a plot twist in the middle that just it's like you'll know when you see it that it had to be intentional, like uh-huh. the way they set it up. It had to be intentional. But that's that's all I'll say. I'll say. You can message me after you watch it. <laughs> I understand. Definitely. And I agree with you, like, it is so annoying when you're watching something that is taken from a certain viewpoint of someone's culture, someone's race, someone's point in life, and it's very clear that the person who wrote this either just googled it or just felt upon themselves to write this. Like, when I was growing up, I would read all kinds of books all the time, and I do not remember the title of this book. But there was a book I read about a young girl who was Muslim and she didn't want to be Muslim. She wanted to take off her job. She wanted to dye her hair blonde. She had blue contacts on. She would wear makeup. She would wear jewelry. And like she would assumingly do things that were against like her religion and her culture. And it wasn't until like the last three pages of the book that she embraced who she was. But I spent this whole time reading this book like learning about a girl who didn't like embrace the thing that she grew up in and she saw it as something that was like bad but with Miss Marvel it's so lovely to have someone like Nakia who embraces her culture and somebody who is like wants to be on the mosque board somebody who loves wearing her hijab and someone who loves her culture and loves her community and someone who's very outspoken and stands for what she believes in and you know having someone like Kamala, who is very nerdy and adorable, and she still embraces her culture, even though she likes things that are like kind of Americanized, she can, she likes both things, you know, she's good with both, and that's something I like to see in the show, and I do want to say, I am sick and tired of seeing my black and brown sisters fall in love for the white boy that they are friends with. I've had enough. I've had enough of it. I know. I listen. Listen, Bruno. You're a nice guy, but like, let me. You take take the letter and throw it away. We don't want it, okay? Kamran, he might be a little, you know, but she has three. She has three boys pining over him. He's Kamran, Kareem, and Bruno. I think his name is Kareem. The red. Oh yeah, the red dagger. The red dagger is the cutest one of them all. All right. Dude, she she has. Three boys. She got a lock and loaded. All right. She got I a roster. Know. We have a we have um a one to two boy to episode ratio. Mm-hmm. There's only six episodes, but there's mm-hmm. three boys. But yeah, I sorry, I read a lot, so I like comparing like fiction to like fancy books. Mm-hmm. Um, the the white boy biracial couple epidemic in books right now is bad. <sighs> I feel like most of the popular books it's a white boy epidemic. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say any more than that. I just noticed that it's a worrying trend. I would like to free my sisters. <laughs> like, please. Look. It doesn't have to be this way. There are some people out there who are very much. I can ex. I can. I can excuse overturning Roe v. Wade, but I draw the line at Loving versus Virginia. It's like I'm sorry. And those people, I just want you to know, absolutely not. Absolutely because not. I think okay. I d- listen. If you like white boys, peace and love to you. Right. But I will say, 
there is probably a subconscious thing going on where you where girls who are raised in white culture mm-hmm. who are from an othering culture or who are a person of color feel like having the white man is like not a status thing but it makes them feel accepted it's like if i can be loved by a white person then it's it's a little bit of a fantasy not that you have but that the culture has instilled in you that this is like the ultimate like buyout like this is the most desirable thing you can have and that's just that's just like a part of being a part of a racist society like it you know what i mean i could tell you this is very hard for me to describe i could tell you right like go ahead sorry no what were you gonna say i could tell you right now as someone who used to only like white boys you're right what'd you say as someone who used to only like white boys you are right oh thank i mean (laughs) glad to be here oh god like i said used to like i was 13 14 i've grown past that no no because yeah that's a really that's a really i don't want to say this but like wattpad level of thinking yeah they always end up with a white boy yeah it's just like if we want to if we want to progress as a society, we have to understand this obsession and this really popular notion that it's made its way into so much media of the like We need to free our girl Doja Cat. <laughs> we need to free our sisters. Doja Cat Doja Cat is in timeout. She's in timeout right now. Literally, if she did not like white boys, you would never find her on that weird uh website where people accuse her of showing her feet to racist I little know. fan cam boys. Listen, Doja. Doja. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about Doja Cat right now because there's so much going on with her. What I mean is, he's like every boy of Stranger Things seems to be the white boy of the month, and I want to. I want someone to explain to me how that's possible. I want someone to explain to me what's going on. What is so special about Joe Keery and that little white boy Jonathan that I do not see? Hey, go for any other white boy but Joe Keery. Thank you. Very Literally, much. the new white boy has a mop on his head. A literal mop upon his noggin. It looks yeah. like ramen noodles with soy sauce. Why? Oh, why? Literally, with his hair cut off, he looks like a science teacher. I need to know what it is. I don't. I cannot tell you. I don't understand it. I think it's funny how all the older teenagers look related. Like, Robin, Steve, Jonathan, and Eddie are all, like, these white brunette people. And they literally could be related. Like, you could have cast them as siblings. And no one would have batted an eye. I just think that's weird. Just, like, a little bit. The Duggars need to stop adding more monsters and start adding more people of color in their show. Because maybe I would watch it. They're going to have to kill off a couple people before they can do that. They can do that. They can get the little boy with the tooth. He can go. With with the what? Tooth. Dustin. Right? Oh. Okay. Dustin can stay. Mike needs to go. Mike? What's wrong with Mike? I like Mike. He's my little sarcastic little white boy. I'm okay with him. All right. You can have Mike. <laughs> Jonathan. You can we can take Mike. Jonathan. We don't need him. Nancy's good yeah, all by herself. Yeah, Nancy's, like, yeah. Um, Jonathan can go. Jonathan uh, and the babysitter. No. We've what? just been over this. Do not come for Steve. Listen. Look. Um, he's, no, he's, prote- he's a protector, right? I guess. So what do, what do protectors do? They protect. They attack. Yes. They die. And they survive. No. They're survivor. Listen, Let's Hopper was the one that... Start singing. Listen, Come on. Hopper was the one that came back from being literally obliterated into nothing. So... Yeah, he can die again. I know a lot of people will stop watching if Dave had Harper wasn't on the show anymore. But if it's between him and Steve, I'm sorry. Steve, get behind me. I'll protect you. Okay. The protector has become the protected. Listen, Joe Carey has had a good run. You know what I mean? 
I feel like Joe Curie is going to move into the um, Andrew Garfield category of celebrities. Oh my god, I said the same thing. <laughs> there was like um, a post that was going around and it's like, Joe Curie is Peter Parker, please. And I was like, the only reason you're saying that is because he could do The Amazing Spider-Man. If The Amazing Spider-Man came out now, it would have been Joe Curie. Like, 100%. I'm going to say and that. And then that's when, that's when I had the Andrew Garfield connection. I was all yeah. like, oh no. Absolutely. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Because Joe Curie and Spree and Andrew Garfield in mainstream is literally the same thing. Oh. It's the same thing, right. and they're both so good. They're both so either. good. Like the fact that the fact that Jake Paul is in mainstream is like, sir, I don't like the casting choice. Like mainstream isn't like the best movie, but it's still pretty good. Like, I get what you're going with the premise. Some things fall short, but you know what? I can overlook it. I can overlook it. For Andrew Garfield, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Also, I love that Andrew Garfield has committed his career to playing every single facet of Christianity he can. I don't think I've seen that many Andrew Garfield movies. He was in the movie with that was directed by Mel Gibson. I don't know why, but it was the one oh. with the starving monks. And then he was in the movie with Jessica Chastain playing uh, a bloated rich preacher southern preacher or something like that like and then of course him playing a youth pastor in amazing spider-man happened i'm sorry he looks like a youth pastor in amazing spider-man oh because oh you were making a joke <laughs> honestly, the, i don't remember the amazing spider-man that well i watched it i got to the end the last line of that movie made me so viscerally mad it's like the only thing i remember from it I'm... okay the last line of the movie was it's right after Gwen's father dies, okay? And then we had the montage of Gwen going to the funeral. And then, you know, because when Gwen's father died, he goes, stay away from my daughter. I don't want her to become implicated. I don't want her to, like, something bad to happen to her. And then Andrew Garfield's like, yeah. Yeah, okay, sir. And then he dies. He's like, Ugh. And then, so Gwen has to do everything alone. She has to go to her father's funeral alone. She has to mourn him alone. And then one day, they're in, like, math class or something. And um, Mr. Peter Parker comes in late. And he sits behind Gwen... And the teacher's like, um, don't come in late. And he's all like, I won't. And she's like, don't make promises you can't keep. And then he leans up and whispers in Gwen's ear. And he's like, those are the best kind. On every single level, I had a visceral, negative, emotional reaction to that line. Because one, how are you going to say that after you made her do everything alone? How are you going to say that, that you're not going to keep your progress after she did the hardest part without you? Two, it's not true. The best promises are the ones you keep. Third. I knew that was the the line that was going to kill her because he doesn't stay away from her and that's why she dies. On all three levels. It's terrible. Terrible writing. Made me hate that character. Hate that movie. So I haven't seen The Amazing Spider-Man. Then why did you bring it up? Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I like to pretend like I see movies so people think that I'm cultured. Okay, well now you know everything that happens in The Amazing Spider-Man. Well, now I have to watch it. So now I have to watch it. Yeah, I do. No, 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 no. You can watch the Disney Channel original movie. Look, as much as I am, like, I don't really care about celebrity relationships, but Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone was a relationship that was so wholesome to me, and, like, I don't know why. I felt connected to it. Like, I usually am like, why do people care about celebrity relationships? And then that happened, and I was like, oh, I get it now. God. like the casual poetry he spit about her that one time because everyone was talking about like oh she he called her like a beam of sunshine and i was like no his next line he called her a shot of espresso that is such a visceral metaphor that fits her so well you have to be in love to come up with something like that like the way that emma stone was truly like the girl like the relatable actress without trying to be 
relatable. Like Jennifer she Lawrence. She was the J Law before. Yes, and it was J-Law. effortless. It was simply. It was just her. It was just like her and like Andrew Garfield being like the dorky guy and them coming like the way it moved so like them together as a couple. Wow, it was so beautiful. I you don't understand when he was crying when she won that Oscar. I was kind of like, I was taking it back because, like, low-key, I did not like La La Land. I'm just going to say that. I liked it, but I didn't like it. And when she won the Oscar, I was like, okay, I get it. I understand. You're going to say that in my Ryan Gosling Okay, listen. Listen, listen, listen. No. I have a lot of feelings. I I understand. I understand why people don't like La La Land. But I just want to point out how this was supposed to be a conversation about Miss Marvel and how in the white man, the evil (laughs) white man. And we've been talking about white man for, like, 20 minutes. We would talk about white men that we like, too. It's like, what are we doing here? Exactly. We're no better than anyone else. I am... I I like to think I'm a little better. I would think my my taste is a little bit refined. Alright, thank you. But when when I saw Andrew Garfield crying when she won that Oscar, I was like, wow. I... If someone... I, I will literally... I will... I will... I will break my fingers over the pain I feel over this. I would rather break my when fingers my than turn? see him. When is it my turn? Like, Andrew, sir, stop playing around. Please. Like, I simply, I can't get over it. I cannot get over it. I know it's been years. I know it's been years. But still, if you like just yesterday, I saw him crying over the fact that she won the Oscar. We gotta move on. We gotta stop yeah. talking. <laughs> Alright. I, yeah. You brought a... It's either that or we just forget about Miss Marvel and just talk about Ryan Gosling. Because you no, brought up Ryan Gosling. No, we have to exactly. talk about Miss Marvel. We have to. Okay. So, um, alright. We can just move into episode... Okay, we can get to the end of episode one. Where basically they went to AvengerCon. Kamala discovers her powers. And there's a scene where she kind of like switches from like being present in AvengerCon and then being in a different place. Uh... I believe that she was in the negative zone, which draws to her being a mutant and not an inhuman, and also brings up a theory that I got that we can talk about later. But she came back, we see her powers, she saves Zoe Zimmer, who was a girl that she used to be friends with, but Zoe got, you know, kind of internet famous, and then we find out that damage control from Homecoming, I think it was, Spider-Man Homecoming is a bigger agency now and that they are taking a more direct role in policing superhuman activity. I would see the post credit scene with Homeboy from Secession being an agent looking into um, Nightlight, so to speak, powers and trying to figure out how do we bring that person in. So we get into episode two, where we get into Eid, we get into Nakia running for the mosque board, and we also get into Kamala having a new sense of confidence because she's coming into her powers. She feels super dope. She feels great. Uh, Zoe, of course, is taking advantage of the fact that she almost died at a convention and throwing a party at her house because, you know, that's what people do. And she invites the new guy, Kamran, who is super hot and brown, and we love to see it. Um, we go to Zoe's house. We meet Kamran. Kamran, of course is hot and we also see a bunch of training sequences from um bruno and kamala and of course there is a scene where they kind of class they kind of like play off of 
what happened with Natasha and what's his name? What's Hawkeye's real name? Who? Hawkeye. What's his real name? Not the actor. Clint. Flint. Barton. Clint. 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 With, with Na- Natasha and Clint, and basically playing off of the "Please let me go" scene off the roof, and yes, the training, and then we get to Eid, where Kamala saves a kid because he was being dumb, trying to take selfies outside the window, and then we see Damage Control trying to scoop her up, and then she gets rescued by Kamran. Because of course, mm-hmm. and there we hop in the whip. <laughs> <laughs> and then we meet Kamran's mother, Nija. Her name's Nija, right? I have to double check, but I think that's close. Yeah, there were some people who thought that she was her great grandmother, and I was sitting here like, that's not possible. No, 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 no. We're not gonna. No. No, y'all are jumping. Weird. That's like Marvel might be on the nose sometimes. But we're not gonna be like on the no please like the, that's not the grandmother okay thank you but yeah that's Najma that's how you say her name Najma in the car we soon find out that Kamran and Najma they're clandestines they come from the dimension Noor which is also the Arabic word for light but in this sense it is kind of an energy energy source and they the bangle that Kamala has that has unlocked the power inside of her they want to use it to open up a portal to go back to their world. And Kamala wants to help them, but of course Bruno's like, I don't know, that might end up, something bad might happen, you never know what's going to go on. And I like that, the fact that, like, I found it funny when Kamran uh, called Bruno Brian. Because at first I was like, okay, this is kind of a joke. He knows his name, but he kept genuinely calling him Brian. It's kind of like a nod to, like, how Kamala's teacher kept calling her Camila or Camelia. Because teachers always get aesthetic names wrong. And the thing is, it's like, you will correct them and run, walk them through the pronunciation, and yet they will still try to, like, mispronounce it, or they'll ask for, like, yeah. a nickname. Like, no, you don't get a nickname. You can say, my name, you know? My real name is <clears throat> short. Um, I think it's easier to say. People still mispronounce it, and they don't take the pronunciation. Like, I had one teacher that just called me the wrong name for an entire year. It's no. funny. It was very funny. Um, okay, going back to Miss Marvel's origins. Mm-hmm. Some about some about it. Okay, there was they made them so complicated in this show for no reason. I genuinely, genuinely do not understand why they called them Jin. Like the only reason I would think that they had a narrative reason to do so was so that Bruno could find out by reading those old texts uh-huh. how dangerous it was. Uh-huh. That's the only narrative reason they needed to put it in mythology. But even then, I just think it was weird. It was weird and it was unnecessary. Like, can't they just say, oh, we come from another dimension, we've just been here a really long time. Like, the fact that they call them jinn, because most people don't know what jinn are. Mm-hmm. It's like, they're not, <clears throat> I just want to make this clear, they're not demons. Mm-hmm. But it would be very similar if, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what an equivalent would be. Let's say, let's say, like, vampires, if someone was, like, you're a vampire, and then they're like, you're not actually, and then you freak out, and then they're like, you're not actually a vampire? But your ancestors were mistaken for vampires because they dropped in the middle of Transylvania. Like, and it has, like, no narrative purpose. Like, she never had to, like, come to terms with being a vampire and, like, understand that, like, what she's been told by vampires. Like, there's no re- there was no reason to do it. It was so weird. I... And then they, they just reveal, like, spoiler in the last episode, that she's a mutant anyways. 
So I was like, what was all this gin business? Why did they have to call them gin? Like, was there no other way that Bruno could have figured out that, like, this, like, energy would have, like, split apart, like, the dimension? Did he need those ancient texts? I don't think so. I think that they refer to them as jinn, obviously to pull from um, the Islamic origin of the word, but also because jinn are also known as, I think, genie in some text, and a lot of times people refer to genies as like genie from Aladdin. Genie from Aladdin is blue. You know who else is blue? The Kree. And the Kree in the comics would go back, I think for a long time, would experiment on humans because there was something about human DNA and they would like create inhumans or mutations. And it was the Kree and it was the clandestines. No, it was the Kree and the Celestials. They used to do that in the comics. So I think it's that connection, but it's also the fact that the Jinn are seen as bad because her brother said in episode one, do you want the lights on? Do you want me to keep the, do you want me to turn off the lights? Or are you so afraid of the Jinn? Referring to like, you know, are you so scared of the monsters under your bed? And I think it's a parallel to how like, I was kind of looking for, I think it's this parallel, I don't know if this is a reach to like Nakia and talking about how like, oh, this superhero is coming in and like, kind of like, like causing a danger to our community. I was low key looking for an adult to be like, these people look to these superheroes to save us, but they're not saviors. They work for the government and the government doesn't care about us. So why do people idolize them so much? I was kind of looking for that, but I think that may have been too on the nose for Marvel to try and like do that. Maybe that would be a little too self-aware, whatever. But I think it's kind of being like, the Jinn are seen as bad, but they're only seen as bad by default because that's kind of like how the stories are told when really they are up to interpretation. And that was the purpose of having the text that her father reads in Bruno in the, the bodega that Bruno works at to kind of explain that like the jinn are seen as spirits seen as this and that but they're also seen as something from a different dimension which also brings up the nor and how the clandestines are here from a different dimension and they're exiled and they're persecuted because they're seen as bad <clears throat> and how <clears throat> it's possible that they're not as bad as people think that they are. It's just the association of the word. You know, jinn probably doesn't mean like something bad like demons, but something like magical and something powerful and something that's not, you know, normal, so to speak. Like in Christianity, it's believed that if you're not, if a spirit is not the Holy Spirit, it's a demon. But there are other religions that believe like hoodoo and voodoo that like there are other spirits like your ancestors that you can talk to and not every spirit that's not the Holy Spirit is bad. You know, like there are other things, like there are demons, but there are other things there as well. So I think it's kind of like bringing in the fluidity and also tying in the fact that the clandestines are possibly like from a different dimension in the same way that the people from, oh my gosh, the Shang-Chi movie, you know, how they have the 10 rings that they control their powers with and the Nor have the bangles. There's also a theory that like the Ten Rings is the second bangle to open up the portal because the kind of other dimension from Shang-Chi is very similar to the Noor in the way that it's kind of like an overlay of the light and possibly the dark and how the dimension from Shang-Chi also has a negative zone, kind of like the way that the Noor has the opposite of which is the dark zone. I, I'm trying to explain this the best I can, but I basically think that like they were trying to connect the 
kind of myth, like the mythology from Islamic religion to the lore in the comics and trying to like bring in the multiverse into it. And I think they're just using like Jin to like bring in like the culture aspect of it. You yeah. know what I mean? But that in itself is just like a little bit of a problem. Uh-huh. You know, <clears throat> like you know the the idea of the otherworldly magic and the otherworldly like brown person and just like <clears throat> there's no other reason you could have that magic based other than like this force that we don't understand. Like that's very much like a trope. You know what I mean? Yeah. A very, like, orientalist trope, which is, when I first heard about it, my gut instinct was like, ew, why would you do that? Like, she can't, like, actually, like, I don't know, that just felt very weird. But then it it, re- it revealed that she wasn't even, like, a jinjin. Like, it wasn't even from culture. And then I was like, well, if you're just gonna, like, name drop them like that, if you're gonna, like, breach culture in that way, I feel like, I don't know, I would have liked it to be more thorough. Or just, like, more thoughtful. Because, like, while you were explaining to it with me, you went down, like, three different like rabbit holes <laughs> yeah and it's like that's the if, thing if it's open to that degree of interpretation then obviously they did not hit their mark <laughs> like the problem with you know what I you mean? know some of these marvel series is that we have 35 minutes to get through the story and six episodes so they're gonna hit the marks that they want to hit and they may not hit all the ones. Because, like, most of the stuff that I had to understand from the show, I had to watch from, like, New Rock Stars or from Screen Crush. You know, I had to, like, watch, like, one of the Easter egg videos and try and get through, like, 40 minutes of some white guy explaining 17 different comics to me in under 30 minutes so that I can try and understand what's going on. And in the show, it's two minutes of a conversation. And they want you to pull from that and kind of get it the best way that you can and that doesn't always work it doesn't but that's the thing you can't judge the show based on new rock stars yeah that's all paratext baby that's that's like comic fans going into the show with the amount of knowledge they have ready to pull together all these things but technically it's a new thing and you have to go into it blind and even and just with the basic knowledge that you have and even assuming that you didn't know what islam was watching mm-hmm. this it's like they didn't do a very good job of explaining Jin explaining like a like the actual significance or like having it resolved in any like meaningful way. It's like oh you're Jin, but you're not really a Jin. Yeah, you're not a Jin. You know, like she never had to grapple with it. I mean, it you're right. It was there to introduce an idea, but it was never resolved with the other ideas. You know, it, the idea was introduced, but it was never resolved with all the other ideas they had. Like, because I had a I had to worry about that. We're gonna go into probably like the the fourth episode where you start talking about like the clandestines and like how they want to like make their like open their dimension mm-hmm. whatever but because I, I thought that was interesting because obviously partition and all the pakistanis or all the desi people who are muslim leaving india to pakistan to become pakistani citizens um th- that was kind of almost paralleled with the clandestines wanting to go back home and there's just this idea of separation and trying to find yourself in a new place mm-hmm. and I was I was like literally wondering I was like how is this going to resolve in a way that makes sense because you can't very well give and that's that's why I think that they didn't have very like strong reasons to return they didn't have like very strong like they were like we have to go home but they never explained like why they had to go home like why they felt like they couldn't make a home here mm-hmm. and I, I think that was like a disservice 
like why are you going to draw this parallel but then just not like really round it out to what it actually means um but i did like like because the way that resolved in the end of the show was when she was like your mother chose you she chose you over a place it's about like people over places that was like how all the like that's how the parallel resolves but i was like i don't know it would have been better if it was like better sketched out more because that's what made the clandestines feel so hollow like they had a single-minded goal and the only thing that got in the way of the goal was like najma's love for cameron but there should there should have been like other reasons that they wanted to go back and we should have explored that more for them to feel like real villains I think, I think that they just wanted us to kind of draw the parallels on our own from partition and just kind of like understand the struggle of being in a new place and not feeling like you belong there and just wanting to you're seeking that refuge like you're seeking home you're seeking that place and like them wanting to go back there so badly that like she's willing to do whatever it takes like literally leave her son behind and you're right that i feel like there could have been more to the villains it does kind of feel like the clandestines are there to introduce an idea that they're going to bring into another Marvel property, obviously the Marvels. And uh, Kamala needed a antagonist and it's easier for her to have an antagonist that is something that's similar to her rather than have her comic book antagonist, which is a, what is it? Is it like, it's something that has the mind of Thomas Edison. I don't remember. I read, I read her debut comic like six years ago i barely like i'll remember some stuff but just i never remember villains i don't know i'm trying to i'm, look, I'm trying to look this up i also found it interesting like i'm glad but that her just... i just want to say real quick i'm glad that her powers were kind of like activated by the bangle and not the terrigen mist which i saw in like agents of shield which i like but i feel like the bangle makes more sense you know it's like a piece of her culture it's a piece of her past you know, in her to act, it's for that to activate in her. It's kind of like, it just, I think it's better, you know? Yeah, I, that's, her, how her power works in this show is like a super controversial thing. Like, I woke up today, people crying, screaming, throwing up that she's a mutant. And it's just like, bro, I'm gonna need you to calm down, please. Yeah, I think that. I didn't mind the bangle thing. I think the gin thing was weird, calling it like a gin mm-hmm. and leading the audience to believe that it was like not an internal thing, but like a mystical islamic thing you know like um i don't i don't mind her change now now that they've cleared up that jinn are not actually jinn but i just for her her like powers are like so convoluted but yeah her bangle was like a thing in the comics too it wasn't a thing that gave her power but it was a part of her costume that was like uh significant to her and significant mm-hmm. to her culture so they just like turned it into the sort of source of her power in this thing which yeah, sure, why not? I don't see anything wrong with it. Okay, her um, enemy in the comics is an inventor pa- an inventor part cockatiel, which is basically like half bird, half human, and they're a clone of Thomas Edison, which is interesting because Bruno has a picture of Nikola Tesla in his room, who is an adversary of Edison. Interesting. Very interesting. I wonder yeah. if we're going to see a Thomas Edison variant. I'm kidding. Um. I doubt it, but... If we were to see, I don't think they're gonna do. I like that the um, the Marvel TV shows aren't doing like the original uh, enemies in the comics. The same way Moon Knight didn't do the original enemy in that comic, but they had 
uh, Ethan Hawke playing the antagonist. I felt that that was a lot more interesting to the show. Yes. Because the clandestines are pretty obscure. The clandestines, yeah. I just wish they were a little bit more fleshed out. Yeah. Like, they really, like, they they felt realer. Because you kind of introduced them. Like, we should have had at least one episode where they got along with Kamala. And they, like, shared with her where they're from. And, like, that was episode back so three, bad, I think. And just, like, feel like a family to her yeah. a little bit more before the switch up. Because I felt like that was really abrupt. Yeah, they were, like, super nice to her, and then we get to the wedding, and then they're like, okay, we're ready to, like, mess everything up. It's literally within one episode. Yeah. Like, I'm like, you the- could have had one episode, just, like, just take your time, really flesh these people out, and then have them maybe slowly turn. Like, like have them have their subsist- suspicions, like, they talk to her, she starts to feel the pressure on her, and then they snap. Like, that would have been so much better. Yeah, it would have been a little more interesting. But I do like episode three, because I love the wedding. Cause I love the wedding. wedding was so fun. It was so cute. I love, the I love the little dance numbers and everything. It was adorable. Um, I love that like I'm learning so much about Bollywood culture because so many of the actors are like really famous, well-known Bollywood actors. So I feel like seeing them in this show is like, oh, this is so cool. Look at you guys having fun playing superheroes. Because yeah. Aisha, who plays his great her great grandmother, is so pretty. Like she's gorgeous. Oh look at her like dang girl. Face card never declined. Literally the fact that she learned face card and simp like a week ago from the fans of the show is hilarious to me. But yeah, no. Um, we get to episode three. We learn that the Bengals are supposed to act kinda of like the Nega bands, which is kind of like a relic of the Cree Empire, which of course ties into I'm just going to jump around a little bit. It's going to tie into the fact that, like, Carol Danvers appears in a post-credit scene and how uh, Kamala basically, like, switches with Carol Danvers in the same way that Marvell switched with Rick Scott in the comics. So that's going to bring up... That's probably going to bring us back to the Marvels. And I think that's going to bring us to the negative zone because there are some people who believe that the second bangle is the, the Ten Rings... I think that the second bangle, the same way I saw this theory in another video, that it's possibly in the negative zone, because that's probably why Kamala kind of appeared there in a second in the first episode, like doing the whole switcheroo thing, and it could be possible that they will have to go to the negative zone to figure out what's going, like find the second bangle, and that will bring in uh, a big bat and Elias, and, and no, and uh, Annihilus. Because at the end of Shang-Chi, the Ten Rings was kind of like a beacon to something, but they didn't know what. And then her bangle started beeping like a beacon, and that brought Carol. So a lot of people, it brings to the theory that An- Annihilus, his power staff or something like that, is being called to through the bangle and the Ten Rings, which will be interesting because... He's usually an X-Men property, like an X-Men, like, villain. So, obviously, Marvel owns the X-Men properties now, and her being a mutant also ties into the X-Men, and the X-Men score played after Bruno told her that she has a mutation in her genetics. So, it all kind of just flows together. I think it's very funny that Mutant Drop came in this TV show and not WandaVision. I just think it's very hilarious to me. Why do you think it would have came in WandaVision? 
I mean, because, like, technically, she is a mutant. Like, in the comics, they could have easily retconned it and been like, oh, I don't know. Because that's what everyone was thinking. Everyone was thinking that, like, Evan Peters was canonically this the his Fox counterpart, and they were that's how they were going to introduce mutants. <laughs> That was the WandaVision theory that was popular at the time. And then they got Ralph Bonard, and it was the biggest disappointment anyone's ever faced ever. Um, but yeah. Can you explain Ralph Bonard? What is that? Did you watch WandaVision? Yeah. Well, that was supposed to be his name at the end. Like, in the last episode, they find out that he's not even, like, he's not anybody. He's just some actor named Ralph Boner. And they find his, like, audition thing. Like, literally, that was his name. Ralph Boner. Evan Peters. Oh. Yeah, they made a boner joke to make fun of everyone who thought he was going to be the actual Quicksilver from the Fox universe. I thought that was very funny. Like, I, I didn't think the joke was funny. I just thought that everyone getting upset was very funny. It was like the anti-glub shit-o antidote. It's like everyone expected him to be these characters, and then you just got the rug pulled out from underneath you. Oh, okay. I would have yeah. thought it would be cool if Evan Peters was Peter Maximoff in the MCU. But I, he wasn't. I would have preferred that. He was Ralph Boner. Ralph Boner. I don't know how I didn't hear about that. Go rewatch the episode. It's, it's right there. Because oh. it's, it's not... It's it's, it's spelled like B-O-H-E-N-E-R. Right. So it's not like obviously Boner, but like that's his name, Ralph Boner. Anyways. Enough with Miss Marvel being a mutant. I mean, yeah. Um, I have more notes. Uh, let's see... Obviously, you know, damage control goes into the mosque looking for an enhanced individual. And Kamala realizes the consequences of her powers. You know, understanding that being a superhero could hurt her community. And, you know, it's the same struggle that Peter Parker was dealing with in excuse me, No Way Home when his identity is revealed. Obviously, Kamala's identity hasn't been revealed at this point yet, but, like... You know, it's hard for, it's difficult for her to be so happy about something that's happened to her that she's waited for for so long, but to see it hurt the people that she loves is even harder. And I also want to bring up Zoe Zimmer. Do you think that Zoe knew it was Kamala who was Nightlight, quote unquote? Um, I, I think she did. There's no way. Like, they were friends before and she was like two feet away from her face. Mm. Like, she probably didn't realize it at that moment, but I think that later she probably did that does make sense because here's the thing like kamala's face Mm -hmm. like if she realized that that girl was like south asian if she was close enough to realize that she was like south asian middle eastern Mm -hmm. she would have been close enough to recognize her yeah there's no way yeah you're right i definitely like when they did bring zoe in and the guy was talking to her i was like girl if you don't shut up right now if you don't shut it's always, it's always the ones that are like, oh, the cops are our friends. They're just trying to help us. It's like, no, babe. They're trying to uphold the social status quo. And sometimes the status quo doesn't like certain people that do not look like you, Zoe. All right, my friend? Like, girl, your parents can't get you a lawyer? Why are you talking to the, why are you talking to a federal agency? You know? Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm a little impressed with Zoe because... The entire reason that her life was in danger with the first place is because Kamala messed up. Um, it wasn't like she tripped and fell. It's all like Kamala broke something that mm-hmm. smashed her across the room. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she's like, oh my god, Nightlife saved my life. Instead of like, Nightlife tried to kill me. 
I had respect for her. I would have not done the same. <laughs> like, screw that, like, <laughs> I was swinging on Thor's hammer. Alright, I was not having a fun time. I was like, yeah, I was like, listen, she might have kept me from dying, but mm-hmm. who put me in that situation in the first place? Her. 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 Mm. I know. I had respect that she tried to, like, she tried her, she tried her ignorant best. <laughs> she and she tried... did not blame Kamala she tried for her... almost killing her. She tried her ignorant best. We'd love to see it. Okay, so we're gonna get into, um, I also want to mention from the first episode, when her mom makes her that Hulk costume, I was just like, dang, I don't know a lot of parents that would do that. Like, I, dude, that moment, like, fucking, like, broke my heart. I, <laughs> I was so sad. Like, the fact that the dad went all it's out. it's just like, it's just like, I, cause, like, I understand why Kamala is so, like, upset. Mm-hmm. But I also understand how much her parents love her. Mm-hmm. Which, that makes, that makes what happened in the last episode so much more, like, hit so much harder when her mom gives her the costume. Yeah. And it's, like, everything Kamala wanted. It's, like, the best parts of her is, like, so her. And then, cause, that was, that was something that, like, I saw people saying that, like, because you mentioned how, like, in the comics she shapeshifts into Carol Danvers and it's part of her, like, journey accepting her heritage and understanding that she doesn't have to be white to be a hero. I think her getting her costume in this was that moment. Because in the beginning of the show, when her parents tried to give her the Hulk costume, she rejected it. She didn't want to be different. She wanted to dress up as Carol. She wanted to, like, be like the other girls. But then her taking the costume made by her mother, of all people, in the fashion of, like, her culture... Like, I think that was just so much more impactful. And I think that was a moment, at least subtextually, that was like, I don't have to conform to mm-hmm. white standards to be a hero. I think that that's what made that moment so great, because it paralleled Light's moment earlier in the in the show, when her parents make her the Hulk thing. I love that I saw the Hulk costume on the bride's brother during the dance. That was so cute to me. Yeah. I also... Love the living on a prayer fight sequence because that song is so good and the music in this show is so it's perfect. Like the different music, the different themes. I didn't write down all the songs because I'm sorry I'm not that <laughs> I just didn't. But like a lot of the music in the show is really good. I did recognize Sweatshop Boys, which is a band that I love because Riz Ahmed is in it and I love Riz Ahmed and. Brown Jovi, I found hilarious to be the tribute band in the show as well. And yeah, I think also, I, f- I think another explanation to why they used the djinn was I think they're possibly trying to um, bring in a theory that Hindu gods like Asgardians and the Eternals, the Celestials, possibly like were like the Asgardians. And that's what they're trying to do in the show. Or that's like the theory they're trying to bring but you're right when you say like they didn't spend enough time talking about lore or at least showing us or explaining to us possible like things like things that that could be going on for that to make sense like you're bringing up these topics and you're bringing up these like suggestions and these options but I don't have enough to build off from that that I know how to pull things from the comics to make it a possibility you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how yeah. many Easter eggs I gotta go through in order to find because something. Getting off on that, I think it was the four, fourth episode. The fourth episode where she goes to Karachi. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. And she's talking to the Red Dagger, and they're like, "We protect the world from Nor." And I was like, "Pause." 
When has the world been in danger from Nor anywhere? Are there other clandestines here? How? And then, like, that was the time to explain. Uh-huh. That's the time we needed an explanation. And the fact we that we one. met his, like, we met his, like, kind of mentor, mentor, and then, like, he died in the same episode? We could use the, hello, so somebody yes. who knows exactly what we needed to know and can explain everything that's not being explained in the show just happens to get stabbed? That's pretty... I don't even get why that happened because like because obviously what was his name Kareen he he was like obviously really like attached to his mentor but we didn't even get to know either of them long enough to like have the sympathy and mourn with Kareen like I feel like if you wanted to introduce Kareen as like Kamala's friend and have us really attached to him like you could have spent a little bit more time there that we could have felt like the weight of his mentor's loss with him because the the guy who played the mentor what's his name oh sorry um, hold on one second hold on one second uh Fawad Khan hey Dossie he's yeah he's like a famous Bollywood good how actor. are you like real big star over there um uh I right now I'm in a meeting I'm wrong if I'm wrong please if there's any Desi's watching and I'm wrong I'm sorry I don't watch Bollywood movies I'm sorry yeah <laughs> I'm really sorry I'm really really sorry but yeah, the guy who played the mentor, uh, well, he, yeah, I, so I think that's what they yeah. did, like, well, I'm talking was, to my friend, we're talking about something, them casting, like, some it's like a project that she wants to do, and, then just killing and him it's off about a TV show, immediately, and hoping so that we're just talking about it and going him, over it, which I don't know if that was the move, <laughs> well, I call it, I don't a... know, also, I don't know where you went, but the fact yes. that, um, he, Alright. Like, they didn't okay. need his help after that. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a situation where they're like, oh, we really, like, need him to solve this problem. Like, because the clandestines died. Like, pretty much, like, in the timeline of events that happen, not in, like, the actual, like, show episodes, but, like, pretty much directly after he dies, they die as well. So, it, it doesn't even inconvenience the main characters in any way. They ju- they're just sad for a while. Like, they don't, like, need him, and he's not there. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Uh, give me one second. Sorry, I kind of muted my mic. Um, hold on. Uh, sorry, give me one second. He's my editor. Glenn, you can cut out the quiet part and just, you know, just get back to us talking. Um, right. Okay. So episode four. Uh, we are in Pakistan. Um, I love this episode because, like, there is always that one moment where you have to go back to your roots, go back to where you came from, interfere with your culture, and I think it's so beautiful just, like, seeing Kamala going back to, like, this place and seeing her mom go back to visit her mother as well and it's kind of sad because you could see that like her mother throughout the show talked about how like she doesn't really have a relationship with her mom but and you could kind of see like why but also to see them kind of like reconcile and kind of come together like three generations of women 
show each other love. It's so beautiful. And I just want to say, episode four and five of these Marvel shows always leave me in shambles. And I need y'all to slow it down, okay? I, like, I love the emotional part. I love getting to know the person. But if y'all keep breaking my heart like this, I'm gonna have to stop watching it. I'm just gonna have to stop. Yeah. I noticed with six episode Marvel shows, they, they split up the acts directly by episode. So the end of the second act is the end of the, I'm sorry, the end of the second episode is the end of the first act. And then there's usually a really big twist at the end of the fourth episode, which is the twist from the second act into the third act. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the third act is the last two episodes. I always found very interesting. So, like, I remember when I sat down and I watched the fourth episode, I was like, oh, I wonder what the fourth episode twist is going to be. And then I <laughs> I, woke, I I cried a little when she showed up to partition. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just got really emotionally overwhelmed. I started crying. I did cry during episode five because it was so beautiful to see her be a part of her, fam- her family's story, a story that she's heard her whole life. Because, like, That is just something that's so... Obviously, like, that's something that not a lot of people know about partition and, like, British colonization in India and everything that came after it. And to have seen it in a show that has a Marvel property, which means it's very well known and people, a lot of people are going to watch it, and for this to be something that's going to be, like, understood by so many people, but also connected to a superhero and have them have this story of like misplacement and identity and drawing back to like family and generational trauma and you know all this tying into her origin story it's so it's so strong it's so strong and it's what I love so much about the show just like the you know the immigrant struggle of like you know second third born generation children of immigrants trying to like find their place in this country that they don't know but they're part of and a country they do know but doesn't want any part of them in understanding your past and how deeply rooted your roots are and how your past truly does affect you even like now like i only knew of partition like very um basically like very like you know surface level but to watch the episode it did like make me want to go and like learn more and read more about it and it is heartbreaking it is sad and it is like very like it's something that's really gonna like it's something you have to like be prepared to learn about but it's also just like in the show how it all comes together it's like the way i cried when i saw the little girl chasing after the little stars it's so beautiful yeah just the way she was like her grandma she's like it was supposed to be you then she realized it was her oh my god bruh you did not have to do me like this like you did not have to break me in the way that you did it's like sometimes you have to save yourself like you are the hero that you looked up to Mm -hmm. like you idolized your grandma you thought she was like this cool person she was but you didn't know that you were the person from the story that's crazy bruh that also ties into her idolizing Carol Danvers to the point where she wears the jacket that Carol Danvers wears. She has the emblem on there. She wears the aviator glasses that Carol Danvers wears from the movie. And everything about Carol is like, you know, there's like a poster from a Carol Danvers comic in her room on her wall. And she's such a huge fan of, you know, Captain Marvel. But it shows how 
even though Carol is someone that she looks up to and is a great hero, Kamala is a more even amazing hero because she literally traveled back in time to ensure that her family would make it to America to ensure that she would be around today so that she could live. And I also like the fact that like this kind of is, I do believe this is like a closed loop variable and like time travel where she didn't like branch off into a different, you know, timeline and yeah, the TVA didn't, didn't come in. It didn't follow Marvel Universe timelines, but I don't care. We're just going to leave it at that. Like, you're, are you really going to like complain about that when we had this beautiful moment? No, <laughs> not you specifically, just people in general. Right. Right, yeah, you're right. And I like that the newsreel about the uh, British colonization was something that, you know, talked about how, like, it was oppressive. Because if they used a, an actual newsreel, it would be something a little bit more, you know, racist and not a little more true to form to that time, but less so of how we understand it now, you know. Uh. Excuse me. Excuse me. And I, I find it so sad. Aisha, um, you know, didn't want to go back home because she had found a home on Earth. She had had a baby and then Najma had to come in and ruin everything. Najma had to come in and stir the pot. She couldn't just leave her alone with her nice husband and her beautiful child. She had to come in here and make a mess. And Najma, of course, took out Aisha, which is sad. And when I saw Kamala see her great-grandmother pass away, the way I started like crying was like, this is too much for me. This is too much for me. For Kamala? Mm-mm. Like, Kamala, you're getting some of your generational trauma like healed a little bit, but also this will give you new generational trauma. Mm. So. Yeah. The Sorry. W- the way that, like, I don't know, S.H.I.E.L.D. needs to come up with, I guess, sword now, needs to come up with, like, a, a plan, a medical plan for these new Avengers to get them some therapy. Like, please. Yeah. Like, please do something about it, bro. And then, of course, Nashma, she wants to go home so badly, and, oh gosh. We go I back. I can't believe Nashma killed, killed her. I feel like that's like just, dude, that was like pretty messed up. <laughs> like, the fact it's that, supposed like, to be like family, you know? She took out Aisha and her son. Like, what, what, what's going on, girl? Yeah, what, what is that great about the clandestine universe? If you want to go home so badly, that proves even more that we should have gotten like at least a little bit of a history lesson into what was going on. Yeah, just a little bit maybe. Yeah. So. Now we're going to go into, I want to make sure I cover um, the things I want to. Okay, the Red Daggers, uh, Pakistani individual, Pakistani vigilante from the comic. Um, It's a mantle that can be carried on. Um, I think that with Noor wanting to be open and the portal wanting to come in, if they had the two bangles, it would obviously create an incursion, which is something we learned from the the Multiverse of Madness, you know, that... If two universes collide together, they could end up potentially destroying each other, which is why we do not want that to happen. And, um, let's see. What else is there? Oh, I do believe that there's a theory that the soldier that was fighting, that was following Aisha, there's a theory that she, there's a theory that the soldier was working, I don't know if it's obvious, I didn't want Shang-Chi. Oh. So I'm trying to pull together these pieces. Homeboy, who was the villain from Shang-Chi, because the floor of the place where they found the bangle had the ten rings inscribed on it. 
There's a theory that the soldier following her wasn't a British soldier, but a sleeper agent of the bad guy from Shang-Chi. Because, of course, there's a theory that the, that the Ten Rings and the Bengal are similar to each other because the hidden dimension in Shang-Chi is similar to the Noor dimension. So, you know, yeah. all that. Um, also, the fact that, like, the, there was a blue arm where the Cree, where the Bengal was, which I kind of think it's Cree. Which would, of course, bring in the fact that she's a mutant, that she's probably a Kree mutation, which would bring in, you know, Captain Marvel. But mm-hmm. we will see when the Marvels happen. And I think that's it. So we can move into episode six. Bean, why don't you tell us your thoughts of the finale? How did you feel? What did you think? I had a blast. Um, I I just thought, I don't know, there were some moments that I literally laughed. I, I just thought it was just so fun yes the real villain of the show was a racist white lady um not that's not something to laugh about but i just think just like the it's just like such a breath it was like such a breath of fresh air to have her like tell her parents that she's nylite and then just being like i'm proud of you mm-hmm. you're our marvel like this is so amazing we love you and just like having her having that honesty with her family and her friends and them just supporting her and having, like, lovely, funny banter. It was incredible. Like, it made my heart so happy. It made me so happy, that part of it. Um, yes. And then the other stuff, I was just like, okay. Uh, I know when the moment where she had to, like, find faith in herself to fight for Cameron and, like, fight for her community, she, that's when she learned to embiggen, which I think was supposed to make, like, show that she had confidence in herself to make herself bigger. Um, which is a nice nod to the comics. I don't know if it makes the most sense here, but I think that was another, like, oh, Kamala's accepting herself. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. It was nice to see. Um, but yeah, I really liked, I thought the finale was so lovely and fun. And, you, like, I think you brought it up, the Spider-Man thing, because that was my first um, thought, too, when, like, the community surrounded her mm-hmm. and they, they had, like, a Spider-Man moment. I was all like, I know where I saw this. <laughs> Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2 from Sam Raimi. Right. Because I remember that, like, when the MCU Spider-Man happened, a lot of people were like, this New York feels empty. Like, there are no people here. Like, this is an empty New York. But, no, Jersey City was a lived-in city. It was really important about her community protecting her. And it wasn't just, like, a new idea that they just, like, threw in the finale. Like, we saw this over the course of the entire show. We saw the mosque, like, freaking out over the boy. We saw, um, basically how they turned away that agent... Um, Nakia didn't let them come in without a search warrant. Like, mm-hmm. like it has been a theme throughout the show, and then it culminated in this moment that I was like, "Damn, got him!" I wish the police weren't there. I wish you didn't <laughs> tell me, so I didn't. That I didn't have to live with this. But like, damn, that was nice. Listen, I, you know, also with like, um, homeboy who plays Stewie in Secession being like the good cop. Like, I get it. You know, he's a cop, he's brown, like, I get it, but also, like, can we not do that, though? I honestly thought that he was gonna, I honestly thought that they were gonna have, like, a good cop moment where he's all, like, you have my protection behind you, you can do whatever you want, and we won't come after you. Like, I thought that he was gonna become her, like, point of connection. I thought they were gonna go, like, full propaganda on us. So the fact that they didn't, I'm, I'm happy. I think that Damage Control was created by Tony Stark, which, no surprise, the real antagonist of the MCU. And the thing is that, like, I think he created it in to be, like, the clean-up 
superior methods and now they've gone like total recall and started to anticipate super enhanced individuals and stopping them before they do anything yeah uh yeah bro that line where she's walking away she's like we don't want this power to fall into the wrong kind of hands and then someone literally is like oh brown people and then she's like no i meant young people it's all like girl you are profiling people like this is literally profiling literally literally like i do have to say i did like the ending i do like that kareem's powers are is this name kareem Karan. No. Kareem. Cameron. Cameron. No. Why did I? Cameron. Why did I read? Because I think Kareem's the the red dagger guy. Yes. Why did I read Kareem? Oh my gosh. Okay, it says Cameron. Okay, my bad. My notes are wrong. My bad. But like to see to see like his powers. Obviously, in the comics, he is powers by luminescence. To see also question when Mama decided to go out like a light. Did she take her essence and put it in him? Or did she, like, give him her powers? What do you think happened? I think that she channeled some of the Nora through the dimension. And I I think she channeled it to him. I don't want to say she channeled it to him because I don't think it was intentional. But I think that he was, like, connected to her. And that's how it happened. Hmm. None of this has any real logic. Like, it's, it doesn't. we don't have to understand how it works. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, but... Yeah, that's what I think happened. For a second, I thought that he was going to go, like, full berserk. Mm-hmm. I thought that he was going to, like, really... And I, and I was, like, hoping and praying. I was like, don't make him the bad brown dude. Like, uh-huh. please. Like, I'm literally... Be- I am on my hands and knees. I'm like, don't make him, like, the bad brown guy and compliment the good brown girl and have them, like, discourse like that. Like, no one wants that. No one wants that to happen. So I'm glad they didn't do that. Like, he was obviously emotional and he was upset, but then she got through to him. I think that was enough. Like, he didn't have any sort of, like, wild, crazy theories. Like, no, they'll never accept us. And then kill them. <laughs> he was just like, how can you live like this? And she's all like, because I love people. And then that was that. Thank you. I do have to say, this does tie into, like, Marvel's um, kind of weird social messaging. Because, yes, Kareem is someone who's upset and angry and lashing out because he's being targeted because he's been persecuted his whole life so he's rebelling and you know you can get that you can understand that but also it's the like if you go up against authority you're seen as the bad guy when usually the authority is something that is meant to be going up against because sometimes usually they don't have your best interest in art and they're not actually protecting you but they're actually trying to control you and trying to like have you uphold the status quo that benefits people who are not you and do not look like you and people who do not live in your community oftentimes and it's the same thing they did with the redhead from the falcon and the winter soldier where like yes her messaging was something you could agree with but the way she went about it was wrong and the same with killmonger yeah. like yes i think at least in the context for miss marvel i think mm-hmm. it's interesting how they got around that mm-hmm. because they never had to address if it was wrong or right for damage control to go over after Kamala. Because the racist white lady, Deaver, I think was her name, she got fired because she created bad press. And that's why they stopped going after Kamala. Mm-hmm. But there was never the discussion of if it was right or wrong to go after her in the first place. They just avoided that entire conversation. Which, because the obvious answer is no. It was not right of them to do that. And they're a bad organization for doing it. But 
they just avoided it all entirely because you just like it just can't be present in like a show for the MCU. Right, right. You are correct. Um, I do love that her mom makes her costume and she breaks it to her in a toffee box, which is similar to the toffee boxes that her mother had around the house, hoping that she would come back to her because all her mother wanted to do was form a connection with her daughter. And oh my gosh, I also found it hilarious how like. Kamala's grandmother and mother saw her use her powers and they're like, who is this boy behind you? Who is he? Like, mom, can we focus on the fact that I'm like a mutant? Like, what? No, um, that's, that just how, that's so real. Honestly, I was kind of shocked that her mother let Bruno around the house. I was like, why are you letting a white boy into your house? But then I was like, oh, whatever. She's nice, I guess. I mean, I guess she kind of sees him as harmless. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because like, oh, he's, you know, like the smart boy nerd because he didn't really have a family yeah i think that's what ultimately did it mm-hmm. and they were friends for so long like you know friend of the family yeah that's because if she just met her in because if she just met him in like high school and brought him home i know she would have been like absolutely not you're absolutely right um yes i also love that nakia and zoe became friends i think they're very cute as friends and i think i would love to see their relationship possibly if you could thank you very much um the fact that her dad kind of gave her her name is very sweet because her dad was always super nice to her very Uh, sweet yes i the final battle my friend described it as home alone superhero home alone i thought that was very fun Mm -hmm. because it's like kamala um is always making these like elaborate plans and daydreaming but now it actually like comes to fruition in a fun way because a lot of the fight scenes in this movie not movie in this tv show were just like felt out of place i was all like girl i know you're running a 13 minute mile what are you doing running from these bad guys like Mm -hmm. they just it didn't feel like realistic or just like in line with the rest of the show but that one did the the home alone madness that was fun not sure why zoe was there she was there for some reason I think that the fact that her brother show, showed up, I laughed out loud. He was like, yeah, I came in through the window. And she's like, oh, shoot, superheroes don't need chaperones. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> um, That's so cute. I know. But, yeah, I thought that worked really well for the show. And that was one of the only fight scenes. Like, that fight scene and the fight scene with her and Kareem, those were the two fight scenes that, like, I think were really warranted in the show. And all the rest just felt like kind of... Like, she's way in over her head, but they just needed a fight scene to put in the episode. Yeah. Especially because it's the last episode, so you just want to, like, end with a bang. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was so cute, though. I thought it was so fun. I liked it when uh, Nakia said, Get it, losers. We're getting shawarma. That was oh, yeah. cute. Um, oh, my God. When I... Because I was thinking about it later. I was like, why was it a warning at the beginning of this episode? Like, there was a warning that, like, this is a fictional thing. Some su- um, Some viewers might find it, like, bad. And then that's when I realized they literally, like, shot at um, Cameron. They literally, like, shot bullets. Oh. I was like, whoa. Because I understand they used, like, sonic devices when they were actually inside of the school, but then outside of the school they actually shot at him. I was like, wow. That's kind of terrible. How did they get away with this? Yeah. There was... Honestly, I like the finale. I think that usually the finales for these shows, you know, they pretty much wrap it up pretty well because they have to. It's the last episode, they gotta wrap it up in some way. Um, I do want to say, even though I love Miss Marvel, I think it's a great superhero show. I still think that WandaVision and Loki are tied for my favorite Disney Plus series. Loki's definitely my number one, mm-hmm. and Miss Marvel's my number two. Um, 
WandaVision, I guess, is my number three, but there's a, there's a little bit of a drop between Miss Marvel and WandaVision. And then the only other one I finished was Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't watch, I didn't finish any of the other ones. I love Moon Knight. I really do. But the love I have for Moon Knight is different because I feel like Moon Knight works so well as a show. Like, it doesn't even have to be a Marvel property. It doesn't have to be connected to anything. It didn't need any, like, Marvel references in it for it to be good. I feel like the show was so good and so well done on its own. And I find it so annoying that there are so many people who didn't like Moon Knight. Because there's nothing about the show that I could find wrong with. Like, the show was pretty much flawless to me that I just, like, hold it in a different category in my heart. Oh. I had some issues with Moon Knight. But what really worked for me worked for Moon Knight, which is, like... I don't know how Oscar Isaac led that show, mm-hmm. and just how you how you felt so bad for him. Mm-hmm. That brought me back every week, baby. Um, the overall arcs and stuff were whatever, but I just I felt like that was what was really interesting about the show to me. That's what I liked about it. But it's not my favorite. Loki definitely number one. Loki, the writing in that masterful. Favorite thing about Loki, there was no third act fight sequence. Like there was no big act third act. Like. The tension of the third act was directly on your understanding of the situation and character motivations and them just sitting there and talking. And I thought that was wonderful. It was so interesting and so good. Um, which makes it hard to compare to something like Miss Marvel, which is a lot about not really like plot things. And it also has to do with character, but it's like, it's not about like character standoffs. It was like, this is very like, will she get arrested? Will she not get arrested? You know? Mm-hmm. Is she grounded? You... Sorry, go ahead. No, um, but, yeah, I did, like, I thought it was so, because I'm going into it, I was like, okay, the clandestine stuff already got wrapped up, so we're going to be cruising, you know, like, we're just going to see great stuff, and we did, so happy, like, I'm so, I literally cannot describe to you how happy it makes me that everything worked out with her and her family, it was just so nice to see in a superhero-like show. I think her and her family kind of, like, accepting the fact that she's a superhero is very sweet. I also think that her mom definitely won't reveal her secret identity. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, I like the show. I like Miss Marvel a lot. You know, we had our problems with it, but we had the things we like about it, we love about it. I am interested to see what's going to happen with Miss the Marvels, the new movie coming out. Um, yeah. I don't think there's anything else I really want to say about the show other than it was really good. I had a fun time watching it, and... When the Marvels come out, I'll be ready. Yes. I, the Marvel, mm, yeah, Miss Marvel made me very happy. I related a little bit too hard in the beginning. I was like, ooh. But then I was like, yeah, it's good. It's nice. I just wish Miss Marvel, like, I wish Miss, I wish we had more of it. Like, I would happily take just, like, a Miss Marvel cartoon of just, like, her and her friends in high school. And then every episode she has to beat some guy up. Like, I think that would be so fun. And I know someone out there is like, just read the comics. Listen, I do that sometimes. But I shouldn't have to. The the MCU should make content specifically for me. And this time I'm asking for a cartoon. I want a Miss Marvel cartoon. And I want it to be fun. Or I want a longer TV show. I want, like, like CW length. Like, I want 30 to 40 minute episodes. 20, proper 20 episode season. And I want most of it to be filler. I just want to see... Iman Vellani have fun with her friends. Is that too much to ask for? I don't think so. Someone I don't want to wait get... until Miss Marvel to see her again. Someone needs to get Iman Vellani a TikTok the same way that um, Homegirl from the Multiverse of Madness does. Because I love her TikToks. So. I don't have TikTok anymore. I deleted it because of my mental health. But 
I will support you whatever and Iman Vellani if you're reading if you're if you're listening, listen. We could be best friends. You just don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I will support you whatever you do. She's really that girl. She is. Um so yeah. Okay. Um I don't feel like there's anything else I wanna say. I feel like everything I wanted to say I kinda like, you know, brought it up here and there. Um I am interested to see what's gonna go happen to our girl. Hopefully, if she is good, she's going to be in the Marvels. I would like to see her meet Nick Fury. I'm interested to see that. I think that'd be kind of funny. But um, I think that's it. Is there any other last words you have in regards to Miss Marvel being? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think I said all that I had to say. I got it all out of my system. We've been talking for a while, but yes. Um, Miss Marvel's my best friend now. We're holding hands. One hand for Miss Marvel. The other hand for Loki. Best friends. We love to see it. Alright, guys, we're going to move into All Paths. This is a segment of our podcast where we talk about the things that we are passing on, whether it be movies, TV shows, news in the industry. I want to give my All Paths to the fact that Marvel makes all this money off of us, admittedly, and yet they cannot pay their VFX artist enough for them to live. And quite honestly, I'm sick and tired of reading these kind of articles where you see these huge corporations make all this money. And like, yes, people have things to say about like the VFX, you know, editing, da 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 da, with movies and things like that. But like, I truly wish y'all would just treat your employees like they're people and not like little robot, like like little robots. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. Because, like, it really is terrible to read. Like, do I love, you know, watching Marvel movies? Yes. You know? My favorite pastime. It's something that's connected me to a lot of people. But also, it truly is, like... They're exploiting their staff. Yeah. Can we get an ethical Marvel movie, please? Yeah. Like, I understand a lot of people have something to say about the She-Hulk trailer. But it's not easy when, like... There are so many things that go into like the CGI, the expansive use of CGI, especially in Marvel movies, you know, with like holdups, release dates being pushed back, like the filming date for Blade was pushed back to October when they were supposed to start filming already. Um, you know, CG CGI missteps like I just said. Uh, I think the problem with the CG in Marvel I think it's a pipeline issue because hmm. the way Marvel works is that they have to change things a lot. Like people change their mind and then VFX artists have to change with them and they should change things a couple, three, four times before it's finally set in stone and by then like the CGI artists are exhausted, they don't want to do it anymore, it's not coming out good, they have to like force it really fast. Mm-hmm. And I think that the solution to this is that the director, first of all, the studio has to stop changing their mind because I know it's like definitely some of it studio mandated stuff where they're like you have to include this, we're moving, we're going to include this in this movie, so you have to put it here so it connects. I think the studio should have a more set and concrete timeline. I don't think it could be as fluid. Second of all, I know, at least for Pixar, like animation studios, their stuff cooks for a very long time. They go through multiple drafts of writing, of storyboarding, of testing things before they even start animating. Like, it's a while. So I think it has to be the same way in Marvel, where they have to really cook it and like storyboard it all the way through so they're not putting like these outrageous demands on FFX, SFX artists 
to like do things two, three, four, five, a thousand times because that does burn a person out and that like makes everything so much more expensive for no reason and also it makes things the final product look worse. Um, that's that's what I think Marvel should do because and also FS special effects artists should unionize. I also think that they should do that. That would probably help, but yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel for them, and, you know, unionizing is not easy, especially when, like, corporations do a good job of trying to paint unions as the bad guy, and I truly do hope that they fix the management in Marvel, and that the artists that are working on these Marvel shows and Marvel movies are paid equivalent to the work that they put in, because majority of a lot of these movies are CGI. Majority of those movies are special effects, so they should be paid for the amount of money that Marvel grosses at the theater based of what these people are doing and working on for so long. And I'm sure it could be difficult, especially because like, they expect a whole lot of options, they want to change their mind, and Marvel's like a huge client. Marvel is huge, there's no doubt about it, but it has to suck to like, pay, get paid like, ugh. Man, it, has, it just has to suck. I just feel for them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of a downer to end the Marvel episode on, but, you know, we gotta keep it real here. You know, you can... I am. <laughs> I mean, you can enjoy things, but you also have to understand, like, some things that you enjoy come at a certain particular cost to certain individuals, you know? Like, the FX artists that had to deal with the backlash from the Sonic movie, you know... Cause even though I Son- felt bad for them. Yeah. Sonic was ugly, but it wasn't their fault. <laughs> right. Exactly. And they had to pay for it. And that has to be incredibly difficult, especially with like how much money the first movie and then the second movie made after that. Um, yeah. Just one last thing I want to say. Where the Crawdad Sing is out right now, and I implore everybody to not go see that movie because it is very problematic, it's racist, there's a lot of controversy around what is wrong with that movie, and I really implore everyone to go and read up on why the movie is not good. I can give you like a quick synopsis. Um, small kind of thing, well not small, but basically like the book is slammed, it's not good for the way it portrays black characters, it gives very much Gone with the Wind kind of style. Um, the book is, the movie is based off a book. Delia Owen's 2018 novel involves alleged real life ties to unsolved murders and questionable racial politics. Excuse me. And it's trying to be like a To Kill a Mockingbird kind of deal, but it doesn't do it justice. The book centers around Kaya Clark, who is referred to as Marsh Girl who was left to fend for herself along North Carolina coast as a young girl. Upon becoming a teenager and becoming romantically involved with two men from town, Kaya finds herself in the center of a murder trial in 1969 where one of her lovers is dead following an attempted assault. And the movie is out now with um, Daisy Edgar Jones playing the titular character. And the thing is, is that even though Daisy Edgar Jones is a good actress, this very much gives me the feeling of like seeing Dakota Johnson in Fifty Shades of Grey, where it's like, you're a good actress, but why this project? Like, I know it's going to get your name out there, but why this project? You know? Uh, also, the author Delia Owens is linked to the death of a 1995 
uh, African poacher. The investigation is quite long and arduous and it has involves her now estranged husband Mark Owens and I think the investigation, the real investigation that takes place um, in Zambia, Zambia's North Luangwa National Park, uh, also follows the story plot of one of their books. She denied any wrongdoing and her first book involves a murder trial which kind of lines up to her account as to what happened to that poacher and there are a lot of things that are quite interesting about the book and Delia's own life and the fact that this movie is going to come out and she will possibly be doing press for this makes me want to scream and rip my hair out because the one thing I would not want to be is be a PR agent working for Delia or Reese Witherspoon for that matter who was the producer of this movie which I find interesting because like if you do a quick google search into who Delia Owens is you would not have said yes to producing this movie. Reese Witherspoon has for the most part been able to kind of be a safe white woman but the fact that she might have to be defending a murderer I don't know girl I don't know if we can do that like you're Elle Woods but like babe let's uh let's maybe not do this. Anyways um yeah don't watch Where the Crawdads Sing because it's racist and homegirl might be a murderer or maybe involved in a murder trial you know so look yeah out for that. the book the book itself is very popular mm-hmm. that woman's already a millionaire i can promise you mm-hmm. yeah comforting thoughts comforting thoughts i've read this story the new york times article yeah about the murder i was like ooh. i was glad i never read the book because i had people who were like yeah it's really good you should read it and then i didn't and then this happened yeah it's a lot of the stuff that goes into the book, a lot of the research that people have found out about it is very much like, oh, okay, so we're profiting off of your possible involvement in a murder trial. Interesting. You know what they say. Write what you know. Alright, maybe don't write that, but yeah, I get it. Write yeah, what you know. Yeah, that was a joke. You were supposed to laugh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> okay. Bean, thank you so much for coming up on the podcast. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for doing this. Uh, where can the people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Bea Bean, uh, B-E-Y-A Bean, as in, uh, kidney bean. Um, yeah. I wish I had more socials that were public. Maybe one day. Who knows? Oh, right, no. Film? Def- well, discussing film, I guess. I, I don't care. I honestly, yes, they're my employer, but if you don't want to follow them for the latest movie news, you don't have to. Um, follow me though. I'm the real personality here. I don't know. I'm the real personality here. I know. Like, who would they be without me? They would. They would have like two less articles a month. I love your confidence. I'm. <laughs> Those were the real confidence. Those were Dude, when I started writing, when I started writing for a publication, I had the worst imposter syndrome. And then do you know what I found out? It's literally fake it till you make it. I've had, I've seen so many grifters out here that are just like have so much unearned confidence like you can tell they don't know what they're talking about but mm-hmm. their chats are out and they're forced networking into places and at this point i'm just driven by spite it's like why should like what why, why can't that be me and then you realize that you it can be you so make it you but just not in an annoying way spite is a very powerful thing spite yes spite has got me that's the reason i've achieved anything in life Spite. i don't know why i'm I don't know why this is my sign off, but this this is my helpful advice to everyone out there. Like, believe in yourself. 
And if you don't, do it out of spite. I mean, period. Thank you. Period. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, you know, Instagram, TikTok. Like and subscribe on YouTube at I've Been Meaning To Pod. And we will see you guys next week with another episode. Bye. And that's the sign off. Thank you so much, Bean, for being on. I very yeah, much appreciate it's it. It's probably really late for you. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's only 1130. Oh, uh, no. I work in, like, I live in California, and I work, like, an 8 to 5 job. Uh-huh. So, I don't have a lot of free time. Me. So, I like it when people, like, accommodate my schedule. Yeah. I get it. I don't have a lot of free time, too, so I uh, I understand. But thank you so much for coming on. And, you know, maybe I'll I'll see you on the internet somewhere. I mean, you said you followed me. I should probably yeah. call you back. That's probably a good idea. Yeah, you can follow me back. And, you know, if you ever, like, want to hop back on, I'll probably ask you to be on another time. Because this was fun. I think this is a really good episode. Oh, thank you. It was really fucking long. No offense. <laughs> it's okay if it's long. It's fine. Okay. I do love talking. You got to see that firsthand. <laughs> I think I like um, talking more. Well... You could probably see in the transcript. I mean, yeah. at least when I did my other one, I, I uh, compared, like, to Spike, mm-hmm. how many each person talked. Yeah. Me and my co-host. Because he's a guy, so I would always be like, don't speak over women. Right. And then, yeah. And then we eventually got to about 50-50. Um, but, and then that kind of ended. <laughs> I got a job, and he went back to school, and we didn't have any time. Oh. And that, that time difference was even worse, because that motherfucker's British. Okay? Oh. <laughs> no. Not British. No overlap. Not British. He's British. Not British. Yeah, he's getting he's at uni in in Ingl- England. Come on, British. Yeah. Anyways, Anyways. Yes, this was fun. I love talking to people. You were very fun to talk to. I like how you agreed with me on things. <laughs> Always a confidence boost. We love to see it. When you bring up like a a new point, and you're like. I hope they agree with this. I hope they understand. I hope they get it. And, like, someone's like, yes, wholeheartedly. You're like, yeah, oh, because I, I, I say, like, the craziest fucking shit. I say, like, yeah, all girl, like, loving the white man is, like, a, a fantasy. Like, mm-hmm. it's not attainable. It's been, like, drilled into us by society. And then I, and then in the middle of saying it, I'm all like, I hope she fucking knows what I'm talking about. Or else I sound, like, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I get it. I understand. Because I've never really told people that I used to, like, be someone who's only into white guys. I think some people... Now the internet knows. Well, you know, girl, if they know, they know. You know what I mean? If they know, they know. But, uh, this was... This was fun. Yeah. Message me after you see Spin. Like, for real. Girl, I gotta find time in my day to do it. Because I have to take a test for my job. And, like, my boss... My boss is one of those bosses who are like, let's track your goals for the month and see if you meet those goals. I'm like, hmm. All right, let's get I mean, to it. I prefer that because you have a good sense of where you are. Yeah. I just live in constant fear that I'm going to get fired. Oof. Oh, girl. Oh, no. That's not. I had a bad experience at my last company. I'll just say that. Uh, well, I get it. I understand. If yeah. My year it. review is coming up soon. Mm-hmm. I'm so scared. Also, is this still recording? No, it's not. Okay, good. Um, I don't...